This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you? If people send you the same generic conversation starters, they message everyone else. Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ladies and gentlemen, good evening. Monday, 8 p.m. After a week off, we are back for the online Dark Live Lounge. With me, Phil Bars, Jack Garwin, and the boys and gentlemen, we have made it through arguably the most difficult time we faced at OD, trying to get everything covered. We did it. And we're still standing. Just about. <laughs> the first, the yeah. first Monday night show I think I've ever done. I've ever done get energy drink to hand, and it's very much needed tonight. I think we've all probably got one somewhere. So, but yeah, oh, we got through it. And first of all, I want to thank every single one of you that have come through it with us. I know there's been loads of you that have watched just about every single bit of content we've put out over the last 12 days. So thank you very, very much. Again, the chat room is absolutely buzzing tonight already. Uh, Rose, James, Matthew, Curtis, Kieran are all in. Course Craig is in. Uh, Malachi, KR3000, Tommy, Max, Daniel, Owen, Bob. And we hear whispers on the grapevine that there may be a few celebrities watching um as as well in the darting world um which is all good um a couple of people told us they're going to be tuning in which is always nice the amount of people that have told us off in the last week for not having a show last monday is ridiculous what's going on yeah yeah it was like <clears throat> how dare you have a night off I'm sorry um <laughs> But yeah, look, we, we we made it, which is the important thing. Um, highlight, boys, before we get before we get into it, have you got one memory over the last twelve days that sticks with you? Do you want a bed? That's a lie. I didn't even get my own bed last night. I went and stayed at Poppy's. Um, No. Friday night was pretty I've decent. Got, I've got one. 
Glendoran Glendoran finally then a win. That I was buzzing, absolutely buzzing about that on the Pro Tour on the Friday, was it? Friday or Saturday when he got a couple of wins. That for me, yeah. I was really happy for Glenn. Obviously, seeing him then afterwards as well at the the at light side, but that really stood out for me. He stood seeing back to winning ways. Yeah, no, look, there's, there's so been all my dark connected those ready and forgot that there was Pro Tours last weekend as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, on. Um, yeah, look, it's it, it's been a, a troublesome time, a good time as well all, all at once we've had pro tours premier leagues um wdf uh world seniors it has just been relentless chaps yeah understatement of the year has been literally darts every single there's not even just been darts every single day there's been multiple darts constantly for about the last week and a half because even when the WDF has had a break or hasn't been on. The Live League's been back in full flow. Uh, we've had Pro Tours. We've had Seniors Qualifiers last week. The weekend just gone. Um, we've had, I don't even know where to go, two Fallout Bars. Last weekend, 12 hours of me on the stream. Sorry for everyone that had to go through that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't, don't, don't beat yourself up, Gob. It was it, it was good, and we got there. Um, is yeah, the I don't understand my own voice. Why everybody else put up with it? I don't know. <laughs> um, obviously, Boise, excellent job flying solo for the first time. How did you enjoy that? Uh, yeah, it was certainly a different experience learning every day. Uh, what what I probably will say is that. The players made it a, a lot easier for me. Some of which would be difficult to speak about certain players who have made it difficult in the PDC for you. But the the, the uh, players at the WDF, the majority of them were were, were outstanding. So uh, it was certainly an experience. Uh, but yeah, overall it was very very good, very tiring, yeah. but well well worth it. Yeah, of course we're gonna jump in. Hopefully. Uh, Chris Murphy's going to be jumping on at some point. I know he's in a hotel room, so as long as the Wi-Fi holds up, <laughs> Murphy's going to jump on at some point as well. Johnny is in. Um, all good. Uh, of course, Mike, James, how are we all doing? Um, James is in as always. Right, we're going to try and do this in not chronological order because it will just make no sense. We're going to try and block it off and we'll do tournaments by tournaments. Does that make sense? Because if we just yeah. do it in chronological order it will just be absolutely all over the place so we'll start with it will, it will anyway let's be honest it will anyway but i think that's probably the best way of what we can do with so much um yeah we'll, we'll start with we'll start with the lakeside i think it's a it's a good place to start and my apologies i've had that much to crop we haven't got individual like um the draw bracket draw graphic brother i'm even tired the draw bracket up um so we've just got bits to talk about and, and photos to put up but we'll, we will go in in depth on it all but first up chaps the lakeside in general 
overriding thoughts to start with? Um, from a from a spectator point, I'll, I'll go first because you two have been there, so you've had more of the inside scoop. From a spectator point, I thought they've done pretty well from outside. Um, once the tournament started to get going a little bit, early round standard perhaps wasn't as ridiculously high as you might have hoped for, as expected. Jim McEwen chucked in 101, but there were some very, very scrappy games. But that's what you get when you're going to have wide fields with international qualifiers that aren't playing as regularly as you might get in the UK or compared to the Pro Tour standard, etc. But as the tournament goes on, the standard starts to creep up. Um, and there were some really good matches in there as well. Like Even one of the better matches of the weekend was, was Cami versus Thibaut Trico, which finished mid-80s average each because they missed darts at double at the same time. It created tension at the same time. So in terms of tournament, from watching at home, the production I thought was really, really good especially once they got the hang of it. Um, first couple of days, I think a couple of cameramen might have got a few tellings off. If your venue's empty, don't be panning your cameras around. <laughs> That's not the best <laughs> advert for it at all. Um, but yeah, what, once they got the hang of it, I thought production was, was really, really good. The, the presentation team, um, I forgot her name, who hosted it. I'm really, really sorry. But the pundits they used, Nico, Tony O'Day. Lindsay. Lindsay, Lindsay from Europe. Um, yeah. commentary team. I know we've got him on the show, but Chris Murphy was absolutely outstanding. Once again, that, that's two TV gigs so far this year, and he's smashed both of them completely. Um, and everybody else they've, they've had jump in the commentary box throughout the week. I thought Glenn Durant did a really, really good job, um, especially as he, as he grew into it throughout the day. Scott Mitchell is, is fantastic. Um, and actually, and, and someone that we need to hear more of, Lorraine Wynn Stanley as well. Her, her insight on the final night was superb. She just she talks about the game in a different way or a way that we're probably more used to hearing on TV than any other of the female pundits we've ever had. And I no, think that I, makes I it easier to hear Yeah, I thought she was she was brilliant and she definitely <coughs> should be getting phone calls from here, there and everywhere at the minute to, to get her on some other coverage because I thought the way the way that she speaks about the ladies game, the way that she talks about the sport in general is just, she just doesn't overcomplicate, it doesn't get caught up in what she thinks she needs to say, it's just, yep, yeah, that's brilliant, moves on, doesn't hesitate for what language do I need to use or anything like that, she, she just gets it and she's brilliant. Yeah, no, I don't disagree. Um, Boise, your thoughts? Yeah, I think Obviously, from a production side and a Tom's side, it would be probably run for me to overly talk about that because obviously when you're in the arena, you don't get to see that part of it and that's probably where I'll be relying on Dob to sort of say that. On the stage, I think I probably had what I expected and in some games, maybe even a little bit more. Um, obviously, we'll go into the details of some of them, but some of the performances, like the final from Bow yesterday, is just one, but some of those were just probably a level above. There were a couple in there from Rihanna as well in the ladies' dames that I thought was was outstanding. A couple in the uh, gents' dames as well. Jim in the early rounds, um, and even the drama. One of the one of the dames that will stand out for me will be the Tebow and Cam one just for the drama. So, from a from the players' perspective, I thought, like I said, he delivered more than probably what I expected. And there was pretty high expectations because of the players who were in there. Um, 
the rest of which there's probably areas that still need to be looked upon to improve. One of which is I'm going to mention, as we can see in front of our screen now, I just don't like the look of that trophy for a World Championship at all. And I spoke to a few players um, as well around it, one of which I, will, I won't name him, but just said it looks like someone's pinched a slice of my pizza and that's all the trophy looks like. So there's a lot of the players and who had the same opinion, but it didn't it didn't stand as a world championship trophy. And I think that's that's the difference. If it was a an individual tournament then maybe, but that's an opinion thing like this on the trophy. From a WDF point of view, there was aspects of it that was that was dirt. There was aspects of it that need to be worked upon, I'm sure, when we dove through looking at the tournament in just a little bit more detail we'll probably pick out a few of those on both a positive and a negative um yeah look i thought on on the hockey i thought there was some some really really good positive stuff and what i'm going to say now i say the same about the pdc the field wasn't good enough to go to the numbers they went to i think for me it should have been 32 and 16. um Later on in the tournament, I thought the darts were, were very, very good. But I think, was it the Sunday was arguably the worst day of TV darts I can ever remember. And and I say the same about the early rounds at the World Championship at Ali Pali as well. That I, I, I understand the, the game has to grow. But also, when you're showcasing it on TV, the talent needs to be there to showcase. And I don't think the depth is there yet. Yeah, quite possibly. I guess the flip of that is it's a world championship. So to give qualifiers and different nations the opportunity to compete in there, I think then it might be the right choice to do that. It's only two days where you had that extra players playing in, in the men's part of the draw anyway. Just when you come to the Monday, you're already down to the top 32. Um, so I can understand why they did that. Just one thing that I didn't, mentioned that I've probably still think needs to be mentioned is we've spoke about it a lot previously just the, the tickets um I know Dob mentioned the camera being somewhere in the venue that did highlight how bad it was early on in that and that is for me it was solely down to the price. Um we saw a great night on the Wednesday I think after the day after the generator failed but that's just there was free tickets but it created such a great atmosphere and i'm not saying they should be giving free tickets away because they're a business and obviously they need to make money but they also need to evaluate that actually we need to create a good atmosphere for this to run year on year so that is something that needs to be looked at then um because the early rounds the afternoon sessions which are always going to struggle with pdc do as well but they need to look at revaluing them them ticket prices because it, it's not fair on some of the players uh, for me as well, they've got to a world championship and then they're playing in front of a very, very, very small number. Um, and you can hear absolutely everything at that point, and it doesn't have Even that. World the, last championship. Episode, the way that the tickets were, were structured to have to buy an all day ticket for Saturday, for instance, we knew we were going to finish a little bit earlier uh, in Reading than we perhaps anticipated. And we said, What should we do this evening? Should we go to Lakeside to watch? £66 each it would have cost us to go and watch two semi-finals and a, two men's semi-finals and a ladies' semi-final. The minute we heard that, we're like, not a chance. Yeah, look. Yeah. I'm, I'm also obviously a little bit older than you guys and 
I can remember Lakeside in in the heyday. Yeah. And look, yeah. <laughs> for, for me, go, having that having now it's been done. Going back to Lakeside was not the right option in my opinion. Nostalgia is great, and I get it. However, for me, the venue is not accessible anymore, and I think that puts people off going there. As in the, the casual, you, you'll get your diehards that will always go back to Lakeside, and I get that. But it's not easy to get to in terms of you have to get a train or two trains and a cab, which hikes the price up ridiculously uh, as well. And the biggest disappointment for me was walking in there on Saturday, looking at the stage, and barring, I think, a Discovery Plus logo and a WDF logo over a BDO logo, it was exactly the same. And to a fan, a casual fan that doesn't follow the circuit religiously, but knows, for want of a better word, the shit that went through with the BDO and the hammering it got, if you put a picture to a casual fan of the 2019 stage and the 2022, there is absolutely no different. You cannot tell them apart. And for me, that, that that's quite a problem because the BDO reputation is, let's be fair, lower than low. And people are going to look at it and go, oh, it's the BDO. Yeah. And I, I think there's a there's a second part to that, that the WDF haven't moved away from that. Are you, are you talking Wayne Warren and uh, Material up on the stage as reigning champions? And it's that, is there a split or isn't there a split? Was this the first world championship? And if it is, you can't have reigning champions. I understand why they've told them up as reigning champions, everything that Wayne's done for 100% deserves to, but there's never really been that clear split of, it's just someone's taken over what was already there and there still are. So I, I, I bet that it's just never been clear that it is a, is it a first one or is it a carry on of where we've been before? Gob looks as he's poised to say something. The, the BDO ran the World Championship, was, always was on behalf of the WDF, but I completely understand what you're both saying. The whole but, situation with Des Jacqueline eighteen. The whole situation with Des Jacqueline eighteen months ago left that name in an untenable position. Nobody was ever ever going to work with the BDO, and I, I agree with Phil. I, I think that this was the perfect time to make a new distinction and, and show off something a little bit different. My thoughts have changed a couple of times over the week of the tournament. I don't want to sound like it was a great tournament for them. They just had to get it off the ground, up and running, to show that this side of the game is still viable as something for the players to aim for. Because you're always going to need an amateur side of the game. You're always going to need the grassroots side of the game. Somewhere for all the federations to merge and something for the players to aim for. If there's no end goal, you don't have any motivation in that side of the circuit at all. So you always need something like this to get off the ground. But commercially you need something bigger at the top end there's more comments and that to come on that side of the game we all know how chris mason felt about the tournament in advance etc and, and he wasn't the only one questioning about the prize money and, and bob potter's inclusion in that as well and this was the perfect time to showcase you've got 
a different name, a different brand, not a competitor to the PDC. I thought that the commentary team and punditry team were, were far more open about naming, name dropping other organisations. I, I think the fact that Chris Murphy and um, Paul Nicholson were involved certainly helped that as they work on both and they use their own experiences and were just like, this is the best way to approach talking about the sport. It's completely the way to do it. But yeah, there wasn't a big enough distinction made now between that BDO and WDF and there's still going to be that hesitancy given the ticket sales are so bad and that it was pushed away from January and, and there's been it was for COVID reasons but then was it for ticket reasons and there'll, there'll never be a, a different official line on that but there's always going to be that doubt in people's minds before they get involved commercially with it Just on what you said Gold about I know that it was always the WDF sanctioned it and it was run by the BDO. And this is what this was one of my points that the last BDO World Championship was not sanctioned by the WDF. They took it, they took themselves away from it. So then to introduce Wayne Warren as the reigning world champion didn't sit right when they hadn't sanctioned the last tournament. Yeah. Benefit, it, it should have been Dozzer. Correct. If you're going by that, because they withdrew, that withdrew it. And for all intents and purposes, that 2020 BDO World Championship at the O2 was a one-off individual tournament because it wasn't sanctioned by anyone. Yeah. Um, and look, there was a couple of couple of other bits that really didn't sit right. But we'll talk about darts in a minute. And no, I'm not trying to bash it here entirely um, because there were lots of good bits but quarterfinals night when an hour before a game you're trying to move a, a quarterfinal and get people to play early putting not pressure on them but taking them to one side in the practice room interrupting their preparation to move a world quarterfinal is not right yeah it it's not right in the manner they've done it. The reason they was moving it was for a player and that player wasn't aware of it until after anyway. So it wasn't that they'd requested it. And then the reason that was given for that player to want the Dane to be moved or the WDF to want to move that Dane, for then that player to be in the arena on camera with a drink in hand but wasn't very well, just didn't sort of there was a, seemed to be a lack of communication between the people who were trying to make the decision to move a Dane and the TV and the production team. So surely if they wanted to move away from that, they wouldn't be showing that person on camera after they've said that... I'm sure it was mentioned on commentary that uh, yeah, no, she well, had it, a bit of... You know, they dropped on comms that they said yeah. that yeah. They're trying to move it, so it's not it's not a secret anything. So like they're trying that. to move it. trying 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 to move it because Bo had suspected food poisoning, but then twenty minutes, probably less than that, after a day, uh, probably no, probably about twenty minutes, obviously after her done the media duties, she was then shown on TV stream with a drink in her hand, which is fine that she didn't have a drink, but the fact that they released that she was struggling with that and then showing her afterwards just didn't sit right, and it's not fair on the two players that they asked to move. Uh, spoke to both players afterwards and it, neither of them um, come up with any excuses about the performances 
Uh, James, who lost, said it had no impact on what happened on the stage, but um, it was one of those that shouldn't have happened. And I, I think in other organisations, not just PDC, even when we looked at seniors, any other events that wouldn't have happened and shouldn't have happened. So it wasn't right and shouldn't, like I said, wasn't fair on the two players who had to compete that, in that day. Mate, um, look, back to the darts. Because the, 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 there are other, there'll be other talking points, no doubt. Um, some very very good overall performances um, as as well. Like Gob said, some some games that gripped us. That you don't have to be ton plus averages to to grip us. Some some other good performances as well. Jared Cole introduced himself to a wider audience, boys. I know he lost um, to Brian Roman in a really good game in the third round, but Jared really introduced himself to to a wider audience. Yeah. Look. Superb way to start the tournament. That was one that people were questioning why is this on first? And actually, when you get a game of that quality up there or a performance of that quality from Jared Cole to open up, you, you got Wolfie there, which freed him up a little bit to do media work throughout the week, I guess. I don't think that was part of the reasoning, but it certainly helped the production having somebody like Wolfie there that can reference years gone by. Um, yeah, Jared was, was superb. Yeah. Um... Again, we had a world record or a record average for Lakeside. Uh, Richard Vinstra to beat Luke Littler. I know there was a lot of pressure on Luke. And although he lost 3-0, can't really do a lot against that. Luke's averaged nearly 93 himself, which is which is good darts. But Vinstra just almost clipping the 105, Boise, was, was unplayable. Yeah. And, and to be honest, it was only first of three. But how, how well he was playing, that probably could have done first to five. And I wouldn't have been surprised if his average was still there because it just looked in that mode, that nice. Everything was just going perfectly for him. Every darts were lay. How they were going in the bed. There was smack band in the middle of all of them. That 104.91 probably could have lasted. Vincent would have probably hoped that that would have come a bit later on in the tournament because it didn't look like that was going to stop. It didn't look like he wanted to come off the stage because it was just a fantastic performance. But... A massive um, share to Luke Littler um, at that age, going on the stage, putting in a performance of 92 still and losing 3-0. As I said, if someone just looks at the store line, they'll think he's got a, he, he hasn't turned up, but there wasn't much he could have done to, to compete with Richard I that day. Uh, I think it was either Nico or Dawson who said the only thing that Veenstrom missed in time match was trying to throw his darts on the table at the end of the set. Yeah, <laughs> and that, yeah, that's about right. It was, it was just, it was just an outstanding clinical performance, um, and didn't allow Luke to get into his rhythm. But God says it was just fantastic all round. Um, but Luke is certainly someone who, speaking to a few times, has got the right mentality to really push on in this game, and it will be a great experience for him to probably be on the, the back end of that. However, he probably won't feel it right now, but. In years to come, we'll probably look back on that as a great experience. Yeah, um, Jim McEwen, Neil Duff in the quarterfinals. Neil did it the hard way, but again, that game got had us gripped because even at three 0 Neil wasn't. You never felt Neil was out of that game. No, and he picked up that fourth set, and it just turned the tide a little bit, didn't it? Jim missed match darts in that one. He missed match darts in legs in set six as well, I think, off the one three eight. 
and, and Duff just found something in his scoring phase that just made it that much more difficult for Jim to to cling on and hold on to sets. So I, I thought Jim was brilliant all week. He, he came through some really, really tough ties throughout the week, starting off. Uh, London Gardner was a tough one. Aaron Turner, the battle against Warby the round before as well was superb. They just never gave up either of those two. Um, but yeah, Neil Duff just, just turned it around. I think it was one of them where the break seemed to come at the wrong time. <clears throat> yeah. If, if, if the breaks are set earlier or set later, I think Jim probably does him, but the breaks just seem to happen at the right time for, for Neil to go and compose himself, get ready, go again, and then just keep his, his foot on the gas when he needed it. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, it was it, it was really, really, really good. Um, Cameron Menzies, again, James Hurrell, quarterfinal, brilliant from, from Menzies, Boise. Yeah, it was brilliant, and it was just that first set for me. Um, both players sort of admitted it as well afterwards that it was that first set. Tamara Menzies broke the throw early on, and probably then I think after he broke that one, he then reeled off another six leads, um, and he was just comfortable then throughout. And at, at that point, obviously, he was favourite. There was a lot of talk about him, but James Hull, a lot of pressure on his shoulders as well as at the time going into the tournament was ranked number one in the WDF. Um, but that first set re really set the precedence for to, to do that. Another quarterfinal for me that hasn't, he hasn't been mentioned yet, but Andy um, Barnes from Belgium, if he did hit a double, he would have been very close to picking up that title on Sunday because his scoring throughout was just incredible. He's, he's doubling the, at the back ends of the end. He, he struggled for a, and a couple of rounds as well, but even then, uh, Stop Marsh, I think it was in the previous round, average 102, but that average sort of probably challenged Veenstra if his doubling was there. Um, but then against Tebow, it was just about if he would have took his chances, he would have got through that one. So, quarterfinal. It's uh, week, it? It certainly was. It survived eight, I think, by then. Is it eight? Yeah, six in an early round and then two. Um, so. That but quarterfinal day for me was probably the one that will stand out from the men's game. It was just a very, very good day for um, the men's darts on that Friday. Yeah, no, agreed. It was, it was good. Um, and then semi-finals, Finstra never really got going against Duff. Um, and after the performance he put in in the previous two rounds, was expecting a little bit more from Finstra. Look, Neil Duff was superb, nearly 94 average, but not quite there from Beanster in the first semi-final goal. It, that performance there is why Beanster's never really taken off. He's been to similar sorts of stages at the Lakeside before, played well, looked really good, a little bit flat when you get to the back end, a little bit like Jan Decker used to be. He used to play well, get through the first couple of rounds, hit a quarter, hit a semi-final, not there when he needs it most. Uh, Neil Duff was, was superb, as he has been. Uh, stayed at a pretty steady level throughout his tournament. But yeah, Venus was just, just not getting it when he needed it most, pretty much. Yeah. And then, obviously, we spoke about the Tricol Menzies semi-final. And, look, it had us gripped. It could have gone one way, could have gone the other. But Tebow held his nerve in, in the end. But... That's my worry for Tricol. Fabulous player. 
but cannot separate his emotion from coming out. And we saw it both in semi-final and, and final. Although he got over the line in the semi, he was an emotional wreck, Boise. Yeah, yeah it was. It, it was two up, two nil up and four two up, I think, and Tam Tumbat. And it was, Tebow was getting emotional then at four apiece. You could see that down into that last set. Found a fantastic lead with a 180, 140, I think it was 134, um, to set it up. Struggled with his doubles, but it, the emotion was showing then. He missed 11 match darts. And at that point, you are probably thinking that it is going to be Tam's day. The fans are all behind Tam. But like says, Tebow's scoring in that final set just pulled him apart from uh, from Cameron. But that was the worry down into the final. All the talk around the final was if Tebow could hold it together and then early lead, then he could want to lift the trophy. It was just, can he hold it together? There was so much emotion in that semi-final from both Tebow and Cameron. Obviously, Tebow coming back the next day was all about can he hold his emotions ever down into that final. Um, I, I going into the final, just one of the comments from um, Paldrick in the in the chat room. Yeah, that 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 that, that comment has caused some con- <laughs> some contra- controversy this weekend. It was the um, the Modus World Final. <laughs> Have they both played in the live league, gents? Yes. It, it doesn't matter, does he? Doesn't matter, does it? Isn't it all about averages? Plenty about averages that matter. <laughs> um, but the, the 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 final, it was it was an absolute cracker. And again, um, Tebow Tricol came out of the blocks flying. But once Neil got in front, Gob, you just felt it was going to take a huge effort from Tebow to wrestle it off of him. Oh, I hope you weren't going to ask me about this because I can't lie. I watched the Masters instead. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> Rory was on the charge and you boys were there. I was like, oh, get away with this. He won't ask me about the final, will he? <laughs> oh, I'm going to Boise. <laughs> oh, uh, look, 12 yeah. days. Look, I was all died out by then. I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I saw bits of the of the ladies' game, but, well, I saw on Twitter that Bo was averaging 105 whilst I was on the train on the way back, so I tried to catch as much of that as I can and I've watched that one back I haven't had a chance to watch the men's final back yet yeah I'll, um, uh, we'll let you off with this one Dob um, yeah T-Bolton flying out 2-0 3-1 up um, but we've just seen with Neil all week that he's his battling qualities he seemed to from Tuesday I think was his opening day um, from that first couple of sets he was getting the fans on side so even though he was bringing more and more people over as the week progressed, he, he was having the light side crowd behind him. And as we said, he, I think we all knew that he had to stick with Tebow because of what Tebow had done through on the Saturday, that if he did stay close to him, then he would be the favourite down into the that final set and to win it 3-0. Um, but great credit to Tebow Trital across the whole week, coming in as number two seed. Um, get into the final, but it was his destiny, as he kept saying. He was down to lift it. He was confident. He was arrogant. All these words that um, he used himself. Um, but on the night, he, he got the job done. And as he said, he'll always be now the world champion. And it's what comes next. Um, because I'm sure as Dob was at the seniors, one thing that he did mention in his post-match conference, that he's turning 50 very soon. So uh, 
senior tour card would be on the uh, horizon for Neil. Well, however, one of the field mates would be over. I was surprised to have a couple how, of others. However, Dob, what he did say is, which obviously will be a question going to the people at the World Seniors, is as he's now uh, a world champion, he should get an invite. <laughs> 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 um, we we have got a clip from Neil um, as well um, before we move on to the ladies. Yeah, but it's like I said to you earlier in the week. It's not as if the guys are going out there and they're waving it on the stage. Or this tour card on the stage, they still have to go out there and they still have to play a game. Um, probably. The best about it was that none of the six or five or six tour card holders made it to the final. It was two guys who had done the tour, who have travelled around Europe, who spent their money and, had, and have worked hard to get the points. The, the other guys did as well, but I'm not going to get into the, the, the politics of it. Um, they're, they're not going to turn down their money, not to come, fair play to them. Um, but at the end of the day, tour card, no tour card, any one of the guys that played it, 40 guys from that started, could have a tour card. They're all good enough to do it. Um, but it's just, you've got to go up with your three darts. What you've done at Goose School is irrelevant. Um, but I wish them all the best. I, I hope they, 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 they go well. And uh, yeah, maybe one day I'll be down there to join them. I would love to be in it. I would love to be in it. Did I, know, I was actually, I was sitting out earlier on, I was talking to Jenny Fordham. And the last time, the year Andy uh, qualified, he beat me in the final. I'd played brilliant all night, and then that, that, the big man just took me out of the roots. Uh, so yeah, I would love a crack at it. I would love to be walking out to a PDC crowd, but I think it'll be very Mervyn King, my buds in. I don't know where I'd be giving it, it was the, all the Dixie that I was giving it in the other night, getting them riled up. Yeah, I love it. Neil Duff, world champion. Many congratulations. Come on. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> What's gone? What are you I shaking like your head for? I didn't like that first bit. Because I, I don't what? see the relevance. There, there was too much made of the six tour card holders not winning it. Because when they all qualified for this event, they're all in exactly the same place. The fact they've then gone and they've not even necessarily won a tournament at PDC level so, to win right. a tour card. So what, 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 this isn't just players, it's from everybody out there. It's the the instant reaction to the last tour card of our Cameron Menzies was they're all gone. Oh yeah, look at this, isn't it brilliant? And it, that just creates too much of a divide. There was an allowance made to get these players into the field to protect this tournament in some respect, because otherwise the seedings would have been absolutely all over the shop. The amount of players being invited from here, there and everywhere were absolutely all over the place. You look at other players that have missed out that would have been in the same position, uh, Jim Williams, who we understand isn't the happiest about everybody else being invited back in, despite the fact he would have right, been well, there as well. There's just well, too much made of the fact that either the tour card holders there are not didn't survive it and go on to win it or that players played in the online league it's exactly but the same what, mentality what, years ago that meant people didn't give a crap about the BDO Dob so what the point was from the players so this is not all the players but some of the players 
who didn't go to Tewstall this year, Correct. Neil being one of which, decided not to go to Tewstall this year because he was told if he goes and qualifies, the understanding was he wouldn't be able to play at late side. Correct. So Neil didn't go on the basis of, if I go, I risked playing at a world championship at late side to then find out that those players who went and were successful were then able to play. And it's yeah. not just Neil, so I don't want to throw it he's just his way, but obviously he's the winner who spoke about it. There was there was a number of players who weren't happy because they didn't, there wasn't, they didn't go to two stall on the understanding that they wouldn't be able to play at late side if they qualified. And that's why yeah, some I, of those I appreciate were that, but annoyed. Do you understand the players? He's just won the prize money he's got. Those six weren't there. Those six didn't stand in my way. Yeah, but God, honestly, there's an undercurrent there that there are a lot of unhappy players that they were allowed to play. When you were there, there there was a massive divide on this. A lot not happy about it. That's no fault. No, no. No, it's not, it's not the four of the six, but some of those players were more than happy to let us know that they were over the moon. Those tour card holders were out at every given opportunity. One of them lost. Yeah. Incredibly petty. No different. <laughs> no different to Phil Taylor once saying they shouldn't be here at the Grand Slam. There will always be a darting divide. There always will be. And that has proved this being at Lakeside for these nine days or whatever it was has proved to me that it hasn't gone away. There is still yeah, a that's, huge that, divide. That's the, that's the general point I'm making. There's clearly better communication lines between the PDC and the WDF. They have to learn to coexist because the it's longer the players happen. keep up their mentality and everything else that, that's gone on in the comments, etc., the minute that's your first reaction to being a world champion, whether you resent the decision for them to be there or not, if you're voicing it in that regard, I, I just don't get where you expect this is going to go. And I'm just throwing it out there. Lakeside champion, not world champion. So John McDonald will introduce him if he ever makes it to the PDC. There's, o- there's only one world champion and... That's Mr. Wright. Amateur Neil. world, am, amateur world champion or Lakeside world champion, not just world champion. Because if you're calling them just the world champion, you are putting them on equal pedestals. WDF world champion. In sport, you, think- you are either amateur or you are professional. In all what? sport, you are amateur or you're what about, professional. What about, what, about, what about boxing when you've got four world titles and you've got diff- different title holders? They're all world champions. And I disagree with is that. Tyson, is, they should be the same Tyson as UFC. Is, is, is Tyson Fury world title, champion? There should be one champion per weight division. And I say the same about that. You're amateur or you're professional. And if you're not labelling it as the amateur world championships, you're putting it on a pedestal the same as Peter Wright. So I guess I guess the flip of it, no, so for me it's a WDF world champion, but then 
if Peter Wright in five years comes over to doesn't play in PDC anymore and plays at Lakeside, should he be introduced as the world champion, two times world champion, or the two times PDC world champion? Two times professional world champion. So these can be called two times. Uh, Neil can be the WDF world champion, can't he? World Darts Federation. World is putting it on a level. World represents right. the field that are eligible to play it. That's all. Mark, uh, no. Uh, you, you, yeah, wrestling sucks, Mark. That's where I'm going with this. Phil, give me the you, stone card. Does it call himself a three time lakeside champion? Does not call himself world champion. Calls himself three times the late time, though, and then he was live, so let's not let's not go into that, shall we? It's always going to be a mess. Now, can we talk about the most exciting part of the week, the women's tournament, please? Actually, one more one more quarter on, on the men's, and this isn't a, a a dig at Neil. For the good of the game, I think there's quite a few people that would have preferred T Timo Trico win. And to make the final like he did was superb. But the power of a French world champion would have gone a lot further in the game than Neil Duff. That's not to say that what Neil Duff did wasn't amazing. I'm I'm trying to take anything away from him. But when, if you could have written it earlier in the week, you'd have written Timo Trico as a world champion or Luke Littler. You want a story. You want something that that stands out. Neil Duff, very, very good performance. Throughout the week, is a world champion. Nobody can ever take that away from him. But in terms of drawing eyes to the men's WDF World Championship title, there were other players in the field that would have done more for this side of the sport. It's not his fault. But in terms of a storyline, Thibaut Trico winning the World Championships would have been, now can we get France on the map? And if they're not in the PDC World Cup, I'll be very, very surprised. Moving on, Gob. I'm going to have to be careful yes. I word stuff here. No, and look, look, Padre, you keep bringing up Barney, and we've been over this before on the show, etc. When Barney was winning BDO World Titles, the two organisations were comparable. The standards was comparable. Mm-hmm. Arguably, you had Barney, Richie Burnett, and a couple of others in the BDO that actually made the top five or six in the BDO better than the PDC. The PDC had Bill Taylor, Dennis Priestley, and a couple of others, the depth in the BDO was better. But once that exodus started in the early to late 2000s, that's where it starts becoming a little bit borderline. Martin Adams and, and Scott Mitchell and Scott Waite second is probably where you're looking at it. At the absolute latest, to start being comparable as the two organisations just went in polar opposite directions. Yeah, agreed. Over to you then, Gob. Yes. Uh, look, the best thing, and I said this pre-tournament, and I'm going to say it post-tournament, the best thing about the WDF, BDO, Lakeside, World Championships for the last few years for me has been the women's game. Because we don't get this in the PDC. It's a chance to see the best female players in the world. Granted, some of them weren't there this year. Fallon withdrew. Lisa wasn't hadn't qualified. Now that she lost her tour card, Anastasia, we're not getting into the politics of that one again. But 
a star is born. Some people are born to be a world champion. And look, we first knew about Bo Groove six, seven years ago when she's 11 and 12 years old playing darts. There's BBC articles on her at 12 years old. The amount of pressure that has been on Bo Groove's shoulders to deliver a world title has been there throughout her entire teenage years. And to come up and deliver it in the manner that she did, in the route to the final that she had, which is arguably one of the toughest ones in the tournament. Yes, I know Makuru, the, the reigning world champion, was defeated before she had a chance to play her, but Aileen de Graff has got more than enough experience up on that stage as well. The way that the draw went for, for Bo, she was superb. That performance in the final would have been the world, would have been the record average if it wasn't for the fact this is the first time they've extended the format of the women's final. So for that to drop in third of all time, still the high, it's, it's just so, so good. That first set was unplayable at absolutely any level. You put that up on the PDC World Championship stage at Alexandra Palace and you'll do very, very well to find players that could have lived with that first set. She yeah, was to absolutely superb. To add to that, Dob, talking about the average and the number, obviously it was a shorter dame than the men's, but average more than Neil who went on to pick the men's trophy as well, just shows the level that Bo performed at. For them, four sets, obviously, uh, Neil played 11. That has to be the first time ever that the women's world championship has been yeah. won with a better yeah, yeah. average than the men's. Correct. Which she and was to just be the youngest ever senior world champion, beating Yellow Klassen by just under three years, I think it is. Look, that could be the first of many. And look, I know that she's had issues in the past couple of years. Lorraine mentioned the D word on, on, on commentary when she was on about it, um, which let me try not to, to mention as often as possible. But the fact that Bo's had so many issues with her throw for the last 18 months, struggling to let go of it, I think was the culmination of the pressure that's been put on her for so many years now to go and get this title delivered. She'd been to the uh, the Indigo. Did she go to the Lakeside one year before that as well? I'm not 100% no. sure. No, no but, this was a Lakeside debut. This was a Lakeside debut, yeah. So it's the second yeah. World Championship appearance. The fact it kept building up, it was coming up, the favourite, she's playing well, etc. All that pressure, I think, caused the issues that she had for the last couple of years. And she was still comfortably beating fields of players that included Dieter Hedman, um, Trina Gulliver and Anastasia, Lorraine, etc. The way she did it. There were other breakthrough moments within the women's tournament. I thought Veronica Hass's finishing was some of the best you will ever see. Just ridiculous. Um, Tori Kewish was, was superb. Um, Kirsty Hutchinson, Rihanna Sullivan, great to see Rihanna back playing the game of darts as well. But Bo is so far above everybody else at this level right now. She is the closest thing, I think, in terms of titles won that will ever get near Phil Taylor's record of 60. I genuinely think she's that good right now. I appreciate Trina's I got have, ten, but in I terms have, of women's in terms of women's world championship titles, Bo Greaves could go and get fifteen. There needs to be some lifestyle changes for that to happen. I agree. Otherwise, 
it is not going to end well from what we've seen this week. Read between the lines what you will. However, if that doesn't change, it will be a short career. I, I agree on that side, but I also think yeah. that was a little bit of a coping mechanism to get over the line the first time, to get rid of that pressure. And, and that may be the case, but it's now adapting to it not being a permanent fixture and it being a easing yeah. off to then meet that middle ground of what needs to be and what um, she was at. To some, some of the levels were just... Thirsty hit the nail on the head. Who, who, to be honest, Thirsty was fantastic for week, but she hit the nail on the head by saying there's not many men in the Dame who did have competed with her early on so she was just outstanding. We talked about Veenstra in that performance. Bow in the early double sets was outrageous with some of the levels, but I agree with you, um, Phil, in the sense of that long term. Um, but she's got time to learn. She's only 18. She's got time to learn. Hopefully she does um, and make the right choices because then I do 100% agree with Dob that, um, that she could go on and lift ridiculous amounts of titles across both the uh, WDF and the PDC. If she decides that she wants to split a time across the both, she could go and challenge Fallon, Lisa, um, Matura, who are probably your top ones, uh, Rianne, for all those titles. So she's an amazing talent. Oh, but there's no question she can play. No question that she is absolutely brilliant. But my worry is it's going to go the same way as Andy Fordham did that he couldn't remember his biggest day of his career, biggest day of his life in a darting sense. All he ever remembered was flashes and clicks from cameras. That was it. And we blasted... In terms of just outright talent, at her uh, age, compared to every other female dark player on the planet... I get get that, God, but if you... If you'd have been there, I think you'd be seeing it a little bit different. If you'd have been there, I think you'd have been seeing it a little bit different. Forget darts. For just pure lifestyle, that's not good. See, I'll I'll dispute it a bit, Phil, on the basis that... A change in lifestyle for a lot of the sport, and hopefully, in and around that environment, that will be seen by the camp. And, and those around and those supporting and going, right, this is where we have to do it, either this way or this way. But honestly, in terms yeah. of just action, throwing, quality, mentality, there is nothing even remotely close to her in a women's game, even Fallon. Because this sounds horrible, but her throw is, it, it's like a man's throw. It's down straight, straight down the action. It's just superb. She plays the way she plays the game the way a man does. I, mean, I, I think really seen that. Trina Gulliver as well. Trina Gulliver was so successful well. because she was the only one that really threw the same way that the men do in, in bringing the dart to the same place. She threw a straight barrel. Her extension was really, really good. It, it just mimics a lot of that, and that's because she started it so early. Look, I just, you, you, you know, you guys know my opinion that 
I'm not a fan of it in the sport full stop. And it's the only way the sport goes to the next level is if it's eradicated. Don't think that will ever happen. No, I don't know. That, that, that's the only way that you take it to the next level in terms of getting big corporations in, big, and I'm talking big sponsors in. That, that's the only way it can go from where, where it is now, it's hitting the ceiling. To go through the ceiling to the next level as a sport, it needs to go. I'm not convinced, but and yeah. I do. I understand. Yeah. I understand yeah. your point yeah. on it, Phil. I do get your point on it. The only thing for me is she's got a time to adapt. It's not as if we're talking about her being the world champion at 13, and that's her lifestyle at the moment. She's 18, so I think there is time for that to happen. It just depends on what support. And I don't want us to to over dispute this matter to take away what an absolutely fantastic week that you just had to pick up a first world title because some of the darts were incredible um so we don't want to push it too far because she deserves an awful lot of credit for the the levels of performances we've seen this week just dropping one set in the horrible half of the draw that we were talking about yes yeah, she didn't meet material but still she had difficult um games near enough all the way through that um and wasn't no one got anywhere near her because of the quality she possessed but this week. Yeah. Look, we'll, we'll never agree on this one, but anyway, <laughs> we, 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 we won't. And we have got some words from Bo as well. I'm loving it, to be honest. I, uh, yeah, I come off stage and all I wanted to do was just, I don't know, it was one of the strangest feelings I've ever felt. I just feel so much. Knowing that I've done that now, I can just relax and enjoy my darts from now because no one can take that away from me. I've done it, it's there. Enough. What a feeling. There we go. As well, we have the boys one. I must admit, I didn't see a lot of this one, Boise. So this one, George. Yeah, yeah. Bradley was in control of this early. I went to look in front. Um, Charlie's big win was on Saturday. Then Slayton obviously he wanted to see that level and step up, but he just dropped a little from performance, but the atmosphere on that Saturday afternoon for Charlie into the off the line and then Slayton was a great win for him. Um, but I think the experience, and yes, he didn't play in front of a crowd at Ali Pali when he lifted the JDC world title in December, but I think that experience got him over the line here comfortably in front. Um, and what was very good about it, he's been to him afterwards, just the disappointed with the way he played even though he's done to pick up a, a junior world title he come off a little bit disappointed that he could have performed even better than what he did but 71 average but like i said very strong punished uh mr waltz on charlie early on and fair play to bradley for lifting a, a second youth world title in what less than four months 
Um, and we talked about Luke Littler, we talked about Lyon Benny, many more in there who are eating ridiculous numbers uh, week in, week out. So for Bradley to pick up two world titles, deserves an awful, awful lot of credit and and we want to look out for the next few years with that experience because it was it was a good we had a little conversation about the crowd but on Sunday they were very good um, and so it was a, a good experience for both players as well so well done to Bradley Rue for being a two-time youth world champion and also in the girls one it was Elena Cairns who picked up her first one as well Boise then I think it was experience that got her over the line um, averages are probably a bit unfair on this one around the 52 because both of them played well in stages it was just the nerves of doubles we had a couple of leads where there was more than a handful of missed doubles from both players um, but she played loot at Milton Keynes in January and once then it might have just been the experience of that that got her over the line uh, I know she was practicing with loot before this game but she's going to be an amazing talent. Lorraine speaks very highly about her. Uh, Lorraine is a lot of mentoring. So with this one, she was always looked like she was going to take the win. Uh, numbers were around the same because it was just down to the doubling and that little bit more experience done there. But at 17, he's a, he's a, a talent and she's going to be, I believe, going to be competing on the women's series at, at parts this year as well as she's going to be like some of the others mixing it across the both hoping to get to Blackpool. Yeah. We'll touch on that in a minute. It's an interesting bit around the women's series and scheduling. We'll come on to that one later on. But from the lakeside, we will go to the Premier League. Um, this one seems a, a, a long time ago now, boys, but we didn't have a live land, so we'll, we'll gloss over this one fairly quickly before we look at uh, at Leeds. Um, Birmingham, not the best venue, Boise, was it? No, it's flat. It's no atmosphere at all. It's really... It, it, it isn't great for it. I've mentioned it before. Obviously, the only reason I would keep it in Birmingham is just as how easy it is to get to for me from a selfish point of view. As an arena, as a darting venue, it just doesn't perform any year. It never has done. Um, and it was the same on same on night eight. Uh, I was lucky to be there, but there was just there was no atmosphere in the crowd, and the Danes really didn't produce as well. The the one semi final between Wright and Clayton, and then Clay, Clayton performed the the batting in his two Danes, but the players played to what the venue gave it really, and it wasn't very good. The quarters were probably. Um, Probably the worst quarterfinals I've seen. There wasn't a game that really stood out as a that had real real much quality in there. So quite disappointed night for a Premier League action. Um, yeah, Does anyone no, remember who predicted this lineup in the final? Then I remember the lineup, but you got the score wrong. Yeah, don't worry about that. I got the finalists. You told me I no got, chance, I but I clipped it. It was on social media. You laughed at me, but you're not. I'm going full Nigel Farage. You laughed at me, but you're not laughing now. <laughs> um, so uh, that, that was Birmingham. We'll, we'll, we'll gloss over that because it wasn't the best of night. 
But then night nine, we went to the first director arena in Leeds. And I've got to say, the internet, the worst internet in the history of media rooms. Oh, my days. Like Scotland, they're still on dial-up. They're in the they're in the 19th century still in Leeds. My AOL dial-up was quicker than that. Um, first of all, Gary Anderson didn't play, got the dreaded Rona. Um, so he was out. Um, spoke to Dave Allen, head of the PC media, and we asked him why 6-0 went one way but not the other. He said it was a decision that was made this year. It's something that they'll evaluate at the end of the tournament. So that might might change ne- next year. It's something that they're looking at. Um, but first up, really, really good game. But we'll come on to Peter Wright more in a minute. Peter Wright was sensational in this game in the opener. Um, Gob to beat Michael Smith 6-2. And it just genuinely was a damn good game. Yeah, and after what he, he had a stinker of a first leg, didn't he? And I was like, what on earth is he doing with those darts? Because <laughs> he rocked up with the Simon Whitlocks and then he produces that. And I was like, oh, yeah, you can throw with those darts if you want. And then he mentioned the fact that Joe told him not to play with those darts. And all of a sudden, we can see why in the following round. But yeah, look, that, that quarterfinal was one of the better open comfortably one of the better open performances we've seen from anybody in the Premier League campaign so far. Yeah, no, definitely. And then obviously Michael got a 6-0 walkover. Joe Cullen, Johnny Clayton, this was one-sided Boise and, and Joe's struggling right now. To be honest, I'm going to have to dial very much Dobbs way of late side final and say... I didn't see a Premier League dart. Obviously, I was at late side, so I didn't see one single thing. So, Dob, this is all over to you, my friend. I know you only threw one day, but I'm throwing six your way. No, five your way. Because you've already done one. <laughs> <laughs> Uno reverse. Phil, I'm going to have to ask you, because I was on the train, mate. you could see what he was trying to put on the show this this was his home night and you could see he was trying too hard in this one it didn't happen and and the ferret ran riot um the, the good thing is, Phil, we did say we did say these 12 days were going to be absolutely hectic. Between the three of us, we have saw every dart. We just haven't saw every dart, each of us. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, 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 the final game was interesting. And I don't know, again, what you guys saw of this one. But if you said to me, waiting, it was this game. Going price was better in every department apart from the scoreline. And that's the important, and that's the important one. Um, that that Wadey wins it six five. I don't know how. I think Gezi put on his Instagram. That's what James Wade does, um, which will be, which will be interesting. Um, but yeah, Wadey got got the job done, um, and we had a semi final. I'm not gonna lie, semi final. Didn't he? It was quite a polite one. Yeah, either. and then he backed he's, it up by going, "Yeah, screenshot and put that everywhere." <laughs> so I was like, "Oh, yeah, what sure. are you doing?" Yeah. Uh, yeah, but to be fair, I quite like that. 
because everyone screenshots his Instagram. So now he's done a positive one and a nice one. He's like, "Go on, screenshot that one." There you. Go. I'm, I'm I'm quite a fan of that one. I um, did, and we did put it on the show, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Kieran, we'll come on to the the World Series lineup. Don't worry, I have that all clipped up, ready to go. Um, look, the first semi final. I'm not going to lie, was bloody awful. Um, and this is Why Peter Wright. Starts, basically. And this is Peter Wright in a nutshell. Outstanding one game, fell off a cliff in in the next one. Um, MVG's beating him six three with a ninety average. That Michael wasn't good, but but got away with one. The fact that Peter just didn't turn up. Um, and in the second semi final. Again, not much between them, just the one break of throw that James managed to find, and that went his way. The final, on the other hand, Michael Van Gogh was outstanding. And it one break of throw went spelled late and miscounted, anyway. I nearly forgot that on Thursday night. Yeah. Max counting is not good It's not good enough for a potentially top four player. Phil Taylor got away with it in an era where it didn't make a lot of difference. But the percentage shots, leaving yourself them outside finishes, etc. He, he just needs to take a second and ask the referee, unless it's Ross Bray. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> and then the, the, the final, Wayne said it in comms. It was almost vintage Michael Van Gogh. In the, the, the checkouts, the, the, the combinations were going nearly 104 average. He absolutely battered Wade. In the final, it was another final for James Wade, God, but didn't quite get there. No, and this is probably the, the flattest of the three that he's been in. The other ones, you could have said there was there was an opportunity, but look, if he keeps accumulating finals and he's there or thereabouts come finals day in the table, that there is a table because this is a league as well as a knockout every week. Let's let's not forget that. Bizarre. Um, <laughs> if he keeps accumulating finals the way he is. It's not great. He keeps losing them, but he'll be more than happy of, of keep just accumulating points, doing what he does, picking off players when they're not at their best. And when he gets to that semi-final and final, there's a lot, there's a, there's a far greater opportunity to do that more consistently. This format does not suit James Wade at all. There's a reason he hasn't no. got an extensive list of European tour titles or European championships, a massive amount of UK opens, etc. Because the amount of times that you play at the on the same day. The amount of games you play back to back to back. Because what, once people are going deep, they're in good form. Nine times out of ten. Apart from Johnny Clayton when he makes a final, he seems to drop off a little bit. But everybody else, by the time they're reaching a final, they've played two games, they're feeling good about it. And you can't take advantage of somebody that feels good about themselves unless something goes massively wrong. MVG wins his third Premier League night boys and the top two I think are definitely done in the Premier League I don't think they'll be caught I think Peter Wright is almost there are we just playing for one spot no no not yet I still, no I still think I think the MVG won the tour I think the other three still can it only takes Johnny or Peter to have a couple of weeks of first round defeats and then that bunch closes it then. Um, yeah, but my problem is at the moment... They're in, they're in very the strong positions. Outside, I, I, the ones outside the top four, 
I only see Gezi winning back-to-back nights. The others might win a night. And I think the others are just collectively get enough points. Yeah, but I, I, don't need I think the others could so do their game. The ones that are in that top four in the first round. Chance are they've still yeah, got to play think, every single one of them. In and some I think capacity. the, the, the lights of Joe Tuller and Michael Smith could easily have the run that James Wade is having. Maybe not picking up titles week on week, but getting to the back end of the nights. So I'm, I don't think it's just that one spot just yet. But I think Michael, Michael's safe. Michael's playing too well to drop from there as well. So we'll play quite a few more. Um, but I'm not quite sure on Clayton Rice and Wade. Or Clayton and Rice, as you're saying here. The issue the rest of the field are going to have is if, like you say, Gerwin Price does go back to back. And the top three, or within the top three, or top four, are Michael Van Gerwen, Peter Wright, and Gerwin Price. Because at some point, at least two of that, well, there can only be at least two, but for every single week, two of them are in the opposite half of the draw, which means it's possible for them to go deep and knock everybody else out on the way. Yeah. Which is an issue. So, we've said that before. Before we look at this week, a lot of chat on, or more chat on social media this week. I think the bubble may have burst now. We said how long will it last? That this week was the first week I'd seen more and more comments about people at home. Look, Dan was there. I don't know if Dan's in the chat room or listening, but Dan was there. For the fan in the venue, it will be great for every night. But yeah. the fan watching at the fan now watching at home, I think may be done with it. Because we've yeah, seen I, same games over and over. Yeah, I, I, I felt that experience in Birmingham, uh, the, the first Premier League night I've done to this year. And from a night spectacle, obviously the dart wasn't there, the atmosphere was, but the, the tournament feel of it, um, being in there, I did enjoy. Um, it'd be wrong for me to say I didn't. However, when I'm watching it week on week, I do tend to have that feel and the as Dob sort of jokingly said, there is still a lead table. You yeah. do a little bit for that about it. It will get talked about the last few weeks as the points will be a lot more important. But yeah, I've never when we've done the live was it the live stream when the Premier League statement came out? Um yeah. even when I was reading when I was reading the statement, I wasn't convinced it was the right thing to do. I'm still not. Um I spoke to a few people this week. Nitho's got some ideas on what it should be. Uh, a few of the others have got some ideas on what it should be. But there is there is other people who agree with it, like uh, Murph, I'm sure. If he was on here, Murph would say that he fully buys into it and he thinks it's been a very good concept. So there is still more of them. I think there's less to agree with it. To, to be fair, you couldn't have timed that much better because before we, we move on and look at this week... <laughs> As if by magic, I'll tell you what, you're, you're, you're good at this, Boise. I didn't know he was there. I didn't know he was there. Introducing the man himself, Murph is in, in his <laughs> hotel room in Southampton. How are we doing, buddy? Yeah, good, thanks. I, I fully buy into whatever you were just talking about and think it's worked very well. 
don't know how much you, you heard of that, but we, we were saying for, for the fan in the venue, it is genuinely brilliant. But this week, just gone on social media, was the first time that we'd seen the fan at home going, I'm a little bored with these games now. Yeah, I get that. And I've seen that a few times, to be fair. But the thing is, for me, I don't see how you can be more bored with the games now than you could be before when it was just a league phase, when it literally was just the same eight players playing in playing each other twice over the course of the season. I, I still think it's more exciting this way. Yeah, no, look, it's, it, it's an interesting one and it's a bit opinion. But fresh off Lakeside, well, 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 you must have been... One thing I will say, is just, um, I heard I heard Cobb saying, you know, remember there is the league phase as well, and actually that's a, a fair point because I haven't paid any attention to the league table at all. I've literally just watched it every week like it's a standalone night. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, fresh off the back of, of Lakeside, mate, we we spoke about it. You must be over the moon with the way it went for you personally and as a tournament as a whole. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm human, so I was a little bit anxious going into it. Um, obviously, just my second TV gig after the seniors, which I think actually really served me well. Lakeside was meant to come first, but obviously then it got delayed. Um, and yeah, I thought uh, I was really happy with how it went. I was really pleased with the people that I worked with. Um, I loved working with Tony O'Shea, um, but there are a couple of people that I just wanted to mention who made the debuts in commentary, and I thought were both fantastic were Glenn Duran and Lorraine Winstanley. I thought they were absolutely brilliant to work with and both of a future if they want it, I, I really believe that. So yeah, um, the people that you work with make it easy for you. Um, wasn't easy the first couple of days. There was a lot of matches, um, you know, doing the commentary and the post-match interviews, um, but you know, it was easier than cleaning windows, which is what I used to do. So uh, I'm not gonna moan about that. Um, but yeah, all in all, I thought the production there were a couple of issues, but the production was really well. And by the end of the week, it felt like a proper Lakeside tournament again. What was your, have you, have you got a standout moment or a couple that, that really spring to mind from it? From a selfish point of view, it was just such an honour to commentate on Bo's world, first world championship win, you know, that winning moment, a history making moment, being the youngest ever player to win the world championship. Um, so, for a selfish point of view, that was kind of my highlight. I think the best game that I commentated on, the favourite game to commentate on, was Jim McEwen against Neil Duff. Um, that that yeah. big comeback win, because we just kind of built this narrative in commentary where McEwen just could not miss double top. I think he was seven out of seven, and then he missed it for the match, and the rest was history. It just all sort of unravelled from there. So it was a really gripping and engaging game. I'm not going to lie; sometimes you, you commentate on a match. And, and someone's 3-0 up and you kind of just want them to win the next set because the game's not really fantastic and you don't feel like the other player can get back into it. Um, but that one just felt like it could really ignite. Um, so we were more than happy to, to sit there through another four sets because the game just, just completely gripped us. So, yeah, for me, I think that was the, the favourite match and the favourite moment. Not sure Jim will thank you for because he does watch those times. <laughs> yeah, I'll say Jim, Jim, yeah, Jim does watch as well, which is... <laughs> I saw um, Jim afterwards. Just, he just, got uh, arms. I didn't. Leave. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, just just a couple of bits on the tournament as as well, Murph. Um, looking at it as, as a whole, do you think 
the forced change into the new day suits it better, or do you think the week in January works works better for the tournament? Uh, difficult to say. I don't know what the viewing figures were um, yet, but I think that it seemed to come across well on TV. Um, but we all know that it wasn't very well attended for most of the week. So I think the big thing is getting the fans in. And we know that it used to be well attended in January, but we don't know if it still would be. That's a, that's a bit of an, an unknown. Um, so, yeah, I think um, I think it's difficult. I, I think I'm still sort of 50-50 on it. I think uh, for the players, obviously, having it in January is not great. If it's going to clash with Q School, it doesn't really work. Um, if there was ever any sort of work together where they said, look, you've got nine days to have your tournament after the World Championship finishes with no crossover and no crossover of Q School, then that might be quite nice. Um, but I think that's the only way it could really work in January. Um, but it's probably going to come down to what the broadcasters want at the end of the day. Um, but I, I don't think... Um, I think it could sit where it's at. I think it's, you know, it was a decent time. Um, I know it's gone up against the Premier League um, and a couple of pro tour events and stuff, but that's better for me than overlapping with the quarterfinals, semi-final, C World yeah, Championship, no. which is what it was going to do initially. Yeah, no, completely. I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that one. Looking ahead for you as well, World Seniors on the horizon. The, the gigs are coming thick and fast and the support that you've received from people like Wayne Mardle, um, must you must be over the moon with that. And are you looking forward to, to heading back to Lakeside for the seniors? Yeah, that was really nice of Wayne and other people have you know messaged me privately as well. There's a lot of people in the sport and in the industry that have helped me a lot with advice. Wayne's one of them, Rod Studd, um, other people as well. Dan, Dan Dawson, obviously a good friend of mine. They just, um, everyone's been really encouraging and really helpful. And um, yeah, it's really nice for them to to do that, and then to, to give me such public prayers afterwards. I'm, I'm really grateful for. Really looking forward to the seniors. Um, in a way, it's an easier event to commentate on because um, you know you know so much about all the players, um, or the vast majority of them. Um, so it's kind of just checking things are correct rather than actually doing in-depth research um, pre-game, pre-match. Um, but of course, the live league has really helped me ahead of Lakeside as well because I, a good chunk of the players have played in that, you know, including the two finalists. So I think um, that's really helped them here this week. Yeah, so I'm, I'm looking forward to the seniors, looking forward to the live league. I think I've got three Euro tours next month, Pro Tour, a women's series between now and the end of next month as well. So, um, yeah, the women's series as well would be interesting if Bo enters um, because that'll create a bit of a stir uh, with Fallon and Lisa playing in an event as well. So. Just looking forward to everything. Um, I never ever thought that darts commentating could be a full-time job, but that's what it's turned into. So absolutely living the dream. On the, the live league, it is Champions Week, and what a Champions Week it, it is as well. Um, arguably one of the strongest that, that, that we've ever had. Um, Josh Payne last week, obviously winning um, week four, and it's, it's going to be an absolute belter of a week to call, Murph. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. Um, the week that I did was that week where it was Robert Owen against Mike Warburton, kind of in, a, in a, an all-week battle. And a lot of people fancy yeah. Mike to go and win at Lakeside. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how he performs because there may be a bit of a deflation there, having not maybe gone and done what 
what Neil or Tebow have done, but some great players. Um, James Richardson's always a good one to watch at the live league. Josh Penn, when he's on it, has been really good. And I think it, the last week we saw him sustain that standard for much longer oh. when previously. You still got me? Yeah, I've still got you, yeah. mate. Yeah, I'm just saying the first time Josh Payne was in it, he was really good at the start of the week and then tailed off. But last time, yeah. it's, like, it's like he got used to it and sustained that standard. So I think he'll certainly be one to watch. Um, so, yeah, really looking forward to this week. It's always a bit easier on on Champions Week because all the players are hugely uh, playing at a re reasonably high standard. Yeah, absolutely. My, I say, we don't want to keep you too long, mate. I know you're getting ready and prepping for an early start in the morning, but pleasure to have you jump on, mate, and just talk about your lakeside experience and everything like that, mate. And I, I'll see you maybe tomorrow, if not Wednesday. Yeah, nice one. I just want to say well done to Lee as well. I know it's his first time you let him uh, fly solo and uh, he represented you well, did a good job. So well done, Lee. He Cheers, did, mate. Uh, Cheers, absolute mate. pleasure, buddy. Thank you very much. Take care, guys. Always a pleasure having Murph on. Um, good to get his thoughts, boys. Moving back, though, we do head to the AO Arena in Manchester. And we all know what's coming from here. Let's... Um, run through this week's night in the Premier League. First up, Peter Wright against Gerwin Price Garbin. This is, this is a tough game to call at the best of times, normally because the world's one and two are playing some decent stuff. But this time around, it's the opposite reason. We don't know which version of each player we're going to get. Uh, we've seen more glimpses from Peter in the last couple of weeks, I think. Um, there was a, a blip of a couple of weeks where it was... Not great from him, average-wise, but that, that level of performance is gradually rising, especially in the earlier rounds. The later the night goes on, perhaps not so much. Um, Gezi says his hand is a lot better. We're still, he's not gone berserk for a few weeks. The first week when he had that hand injury, he did. But ever since then, I think since he found out it was actually fractured rather than he thought it was a sprain or, or just a, a small injury or whatever, I think that's been in the back of his mind a little bit. And it's very easy to yep. not give it 100%, thinking that if I throw this with as much force as I would normally, I might do a little bit more damage sort of thing. So I think there's been a, li a little bit of tentative in the way that, that Gezi's played the last couple of weeks in particular. Um, he says he's back, but I'd still want to give him... This isn't the game that you'd want after saying that you feel good and your hand's all good, etc. Um, so I've got snake bite in this one. Um you, Boise? Yeah, I'm with Dob. I think Peter Wright just edges his, edges past him. Um, I'm still concerned a bit about Peter Wright and the levels of consistency, but I think in this one he does that over the line. I'm going the other way. I'm going Gezi to nick it. I just think, again... I can make cases for and against both players, but I'm just going to edge towards the Iceman. Chat room, come and get involved as well. Let's have your score predictions for the quarterfinals. Uh, game number two, Boise, we'll presume or we're hoping that, that, that Gary Anderson is okay to, to play. Um, there's been no statement from the PDC or anything as of yet, so we'll take it as if he's back this week. 
But right now, you'd make Wade favourite, or I would anyway. Yeah, I think even Anderson missing last week, Wade would probably be favourite, obviously, with back-to-back finals. In addition, with how Darry Anderson's been performing, then adding to the fact that he's missed a week. Um, if Darry is right and Michael isn't, it means that Darry won't have picked up a dart for two weeks because he don't practice, is the words of Darry Anderson. So if that's the case, then James Wade definitely comes into this as favourite. Um, and I have him winning, but not convincingly. I still think it'll be close, but I think Wade gets over the line around 6 4. You backing your your boy, Gob? They're both. Don't don't give me that. But yeah, look, Which I one? think Wade. <laughs> <laughs> Gary ill last week. Wadey just playing that much better. Look, Gary went berserk for one week, didn't he? But other than that, we haven't really seen the best of Gary Anderson in this Premier League. Um, I think he's probably a little bit more comfortable than that as well. Six two maybe for James. Yeah, I, I I think Wadey Wadey wins it um, six three six four somewhere around there. Uh, we'll answer that one in a minute about the WDF players and the Grand Slam. We'll do that in the question bit at the end. MVG Johnny Clayton got now. This one intrigues me because it's also all seen as well. The first game, Michael starts a little bit slow, and this might be the one chance that you have to get him. Potentially. Uh, we've seen better signs from Johnny the last couple of weeks in the Premier League as well. Um, Van Gogh is still offering, offering up opportunities. He is. And his action still doesn't look 100%. Yes, he's winning. Yes, he's capable of banging in his 100, 300, But he's exerting so much more effort in his action to do it. You look when he's chucking 180s last week. First two in that third one. There's a lot of shoulder. There's a lot more pushing off on it than we're used to seeing from Van Gerwen. And I think if you can get at him and put him under pressure, there is still the opportunity to do some damage on him. So I'm going to say Johnny Clayton next week. <laughs> oh, see? So when I was doing the preview last week, I looked at a little trend of MVG from week five, which has seen him go final, lose first round, final, lose first round, final last week, so, for me, I'm going to follow that trend and go with Johnny Clayton. The reason I'm laughing is because that's now three out of three where I'm following Gob with the same pit. But I was always down to go with Clayton because of that reason. So, yeah. For no other reason other than that trend that MVGs seem to have set that he'll win a week or get to a final in a week and then lose the following one. So, Johnny Clayton's come for it. Sorry, Gob. I'm going, <laughs> I'm going MVG, but only the reason he has the darts. I think it's six five. If it if it was the other way, if Clayton was thrown first, I'd have gone for Clayton. Because again, I think it'll be six five. So purely because MVG has the darts, I'm going for for Michael. Final game, Joe Cullen against Michael Smith. Boise, the rock star needs a reaction, but will we see one? Yes, we will. Uh I think Joe comes through it. Um, we need a performance from him. We've not seen one for quite a few weeks now um, in the Premier League, and I think we will see one this Thursday against Michael Smith. I see him getting him over the line about halfway as well. I'm going to go. Sits free. 
for you, Gob. Finally got one opposite. Michael Smith wins this one. <laughs> <laughs> you just just um, that to us Joe. If I'd have said Michael, you'd have done Joe. <laughs> no, look, I, I don't think Michael Smith has been terrible the last few weeks. He's run into a, yeah. a couple of good performances. He's been a little bit unfortunate. Even even in losses, his average and performance, I think, has been better than what we've seen from Joe Cullen. Even though Joe Cullen has won a week, he did so with a tournament average of about 90. Michael Smith's losing with with a running average for the last five, six weeks of about 94, 95. I, ju I just think Smith's at that higher level right now. He's been there before in this position as well, whereas Joe hasn't really. And I, I, I know the format's different a little bit, but in terms of playing in those on that big stage, etc., I just think Smith's got just that little bit of an edge on him. Um, I'm going to say six through six four just the one break yeah i'm with gob i'm going for michael smith in this one so chat room as well from your predictions i'd like your winner and your runner-up please going to you first boise why um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm gonna go for Peter Wright wins the night. I don't know why. Peter Wright wins the night and he beats Johnny Clayton in the final. Job for the second week in the row, in a row. I'm predicting Michael Smith beats James Wade in the final. I am going Gerwin Price beats Michael Van Gerwen in the final. Oh, but you're doing some reverse psychology on James Wade that hoping if you keep putting him in the final to lose, one time you'll turn up and win in that final. <laughs> Not really. Just how I see uh, it. Uh, if Johnny is going to beat Michael, which I think he is, I think it's going to take a lot of effort to do so. Michael is still playing well. Johnny's going to have to produce something pretty good against the darts, as Phil said, to beat him. I think Michael Smith comes through a little bit more comfortably, raises the gear instead of having to struggle against Clayton before that. I think Snakebite beats Gezi, but we've seen him do massive drop-off between... There's a long time between playing first and then playing that first semi-final as well. So it's very easy to go hot or cold in between that. I think yeah. Wayne will adapt to that a little bit better. Do what he does and then run out of steam in the final again. Yeah. Um, so Malachi's got MVG to be right in the final. Adrian's got Wade to beat Smith. Kieran, um, Clayton to win Van Gogh. Um, Going price runner up. Uh, Luke says price to be Clayton. Um, James says MVG to be price. Um, Big Johnny says Clayton right like we haven't seen that game 647 times. <laughs> Paul Wade wins. Cullen second. Good stuff. Um, I know we're rattling through tonight because we've got loads and loads from the Premier League. We go to the Pro Tour. We got five of them to absolute smash through. Um, seems a long, long time ago, gents, that um, Danny Hudson 
wins Pro Tour 9 in his first. Hang on, I've got Eurotour qualifiers over first. Yeah, look, <laughs> that was a bizarre day as well, I thought. Danny Anderson beating Andrew Gildan. It just went their way a lot, didn't it? Andrew Gildan, I thought, was superb, despite just his, his little quirks. That, that don't, I don't enjoy watching it, but... Yeah, look, to, to win your first pro title is 19. Yeah. To, to go and do that, just out of nowhere, solid. This, this um, also, Phil, was the, when we were talking about the highlight of sort of the 12 days, this was the one for me. And I'll touch upon it briefly at the start, but to see Blender over the line in a couple of results, a uh, couple of tight games beating. Tony Martinez, I believe, in the first one. I don't remember the second one was yeah. against. Uh, Dimitri, um, and was around that mid-80s that we haven't seen really from Glenn. Um, was a lot better. He was feeling a lot confident. As I said, briefly seen him at Lightside. Um, so it was good seeing that a win, but yeah, the, the day went to Danny Anson and very strange final two in regards to but I don't think anyone in the world would have ever picked that as your final two on a players championships with the players over there yeah but makes the match play race interesting and then players championship 10 this was this was weird but weird good that MVG picks up his second pro tour title of the year in the final he was 4-0 down to Peter Wright Gob, and then to run off eight legs in a row is bizarre to say the least. Yeah, especially as <laughs> we were sat here discussing that, that leg five and going, if Van Gerwen doesn't win this, there's such a gap between them right now that there is a real danger that Peter Wright whitewashes Michael Van Gerwen in a PDC <laughs> Players Championship final. <laughs> out yeah. of nowhere he's just like nah nah not happening and he, he didn't quite look like the same player for a large Van Gogh and got a couple of easy legs to get back into it I think where there wasn't a lot of resistance coming back the other way it's almost if Peter started thinking about it a little bit or thought it was job done um, Michael eight in a row against the world number one is pretty good at the best of times um, another pro tour title for him goes joint top with Joe Cullen on titles one this year I believe yeah um, not bad for someone that's finished not finished not... it's Holland <laughs> um, obviously then we go on Ryan Searle adds another title beats Nathan Aspinall spoiler alert we'll come on to this in a minute but it was good to see the Asp <clears throat> back playing well and getting to the final, first of all, Boise, without spoiling what happened yeah. this weekend. Yeah, it is. Does that also mean that Ryan Searle has qualified for Blackpool? Are we starting that there? <laughs> oh, that's good, really. um, <laughs> <laughs> no, um, yeah, it, it is good to see that, I guess, with Asp, because all the talk was about that he might need to have an ARP, it would be out for a long period of time. Um, and we all sort of said that it was probably the right thing for him to come and do about now, um, because then it would be back for the end of the year. What we're seeing is obviously that he's proving us run very much and putting in those performances that 
and a Denim 2 final, obviously, as you mentioned, this weekend going on and win it. But yeah, fantastic run by Nathan, but Ryan Searle secures his place at Blackpool with an 8-3 win. Yeah, just looking at two results there as well. Josh Rock beating Gerwin Price in the last 16 and getting to the, the quarterfinal. Is he developed, Gob? Started. <laughs> <laughs> so, did I stream this day? Yeah. No, this was um, last Sunday. Yeah. yeah. I do not remember yeah, the final. Was, I, don't, <laughs> I don't remember the final at all. I don't remember Ryan so winning the title. <laughs> it's been a long week um, moving on to this weekend players championship 12 and to be fair Dirk Van Dijvenbode was almost unplayable on Saturday I think he had an average of 101 for the day um, which across a pro tour is good stuff Boise in there yeah, it's it was one because I, I didn't follow the days. Obviously, I was a, a, yeah. a wedding on a Saturday, so I'll be a jit for it because um, it wasn't on a Monday. But yeah, uh, looking back at this, and we're speaking about it. I think it was yesterday. Phil, just the, the standard that Dirk put in across the day to average one hundred one is will be up there across when you look at the year. It's probably one of the best daily performances we, we will see. It's, it's just incredible numbers throughout and. Ryan Searle back at it and then back in a final. Um, but another one, question marks have been there for Dirt. We've seen how well he played behind closed doors. Obviously, this is also behind closed doors, but because his TV um, competitions haven't been to the standards that he'd set last year, these are the performances in the days that he needs to help him build up confidence. So when he's doing on the stage, we might see that level as well. But an all-round great day for Dirt. Yeah, I had a conversation with Mace on Sunday actually. Go on. After after Mace had been knocked out, he said um, he actually thought that Dirk needed this a little bit in that he had such a great tournament at the Grand Prix, hadn't quite backed it up the way that he would have hoped, and actually this run, this day, this performance just reignites that a little bit, saying actually I have got the game, I can go through the best players in the world, I can produce it when I need it and, and how much more important it was for Dirk to win this title than, than Ryan Searle on that day. Yeah. Also, another couple of bits from this day before we move on. One, Jose Justicio is having a very good start to having a tour card back, I've got to say. Even when he's losing, he got to the quarterfinals on Saturday, but even when he's losing, he's putting in some big numbers. Good to see Justicia back. The most notable thing was the quarterfinal lineup. We had three baggy greens in the last eight. Gob. Good times for for Australian darts. Mathers, Whitlock, and Hetta all in the last eight. Yeah, it's almost like they knew there was an announcement coming. Definitely did it, but no, no. Much needed run for Simon Whitlock. He's been one that is struggling a little bit of late. Not not to the same sort of extent that a really good run this weekend was essential for, for John Henderson, but definitely one that you're looking at in the same sort of category as, as a Merv King, as an Adrian Lewis that have been 
top 16, top 32 that aren't quite producing it as regularly as they have done in the past. So a good run for Simon Whitlock. Gordon Mathers, the weekend before, was ridiculously good uh, throwing ton plus yeah. averages all over the shop. And it is only a matter of time before Damon Hatter wins many, many titles. He looks very, very good. His scoring has gone up a level since we've seen him in the PDC. His finishing, I think, is, is top-notch anyway. Plays at a good pace for himself. That might upset the old player. It, it's not rapid. It doesn't allow a Van Gerwen or an Anderson to get into their groove fully, but it's not massively slowed. At, they're like, oh, for God's sake, can't wait. It, it's just steady, consistent, and he, he's very, very good. And the final Players' Championship of the weekend was Players' Championship 13. Nathan Aspinall ends a two-year wait for a title. He wins, but so pleased for him. But so many other stories as well. Matt Campbell making a final. He was sensational as well. Martin Lukeman, a quarterfinal. Scott Waits, a quarterfinal. It was all going on, Boise, here. And so pleased that the Asp is back. Yeah, yeah then I saw the, the early start of the day. The bat end, I wasn't able to see the final, but one thing I have watched is the interview that Asp had afterwards, and you could just tell with that how much it meant to Nathan just to be back in winner's circle, whether it be on TV or a pro tour. Um, after getting to the final as well, previous week, um, just getting over that line will be a massive boost for him. And for Matt Tamble, it's probably one we've, we've spoke highly about and hasn't really hit the levels we've expected at times. Um, so to see him now get into a final and pro tour, hopefully now we'll see him get into the back end even more because he's, a, he's a, another player with incredible talent um, who should be challenging more in the in pro tour events uh, and then pushing on to see what he can do on TV. So yeah, all round great final to see these two in there. Um, but I am chuffed as I'm a huge fan of Nathan Aspinall. So to see him pick up a title after just missing out the previous week. I think it's great news, not only for himself, but for Darts, because when he's at his best, he's, he's one for me who should be in the Premier League when he's playing, as we've seen before. Real standout for Matt Campbell as well, Gob. We saw how good he can be on the Challenge Tour and in the World Cup, and now making that transition. Yeah, definitely. I think his action is very, very good as well. It's just solid, straight down the line. Um, and, and to start delivering on that when you start making these one final two finals going deep a couple of times that gives yourself that little bit more belief that you belong and you can compete at this level and that's exactly what <coughs> Matt Campbell did and, and needed to do just a bit of a wider I didn't watch the weekend do you think that from an average wise just looking at the numbers as I flick down the screen this this Sunday isn't quite as high as perhaps we saw for the last five days that we've covered of Pro Tour do you think that's the result of Three Pro Tours last weekend, two European qualifiers and, and two Pro Tours again this weekend. Sunday afternoon, yeah. as you start lagging off, players just want to get home after back-to-back weekends, etc. Do we Are we concerned that the more that we continue to push to grow the tour, the more the standard will struggle a bit? Um, I think I, I agree with you. I think it is a combination of that. But I also think that it's at a crossroads now where players are going to have to make a decision. And I, and I understand what Gob's probably going to say, that if they don't win, they don't earn money, which, again, I, I, I do think needs looking at. Um, but it's meant to be a professional tour. And that's what Barry and Matt will say. We're giving you opportunities to play. These are your dates. 
and players are now going to have to start making the, the the choice because I think it is becoming harder and harder to work full time and do the tour full time. I think it is, but they're also asking people to commit to that in a time, particularly in the UK, where it has never been more expensive to live. Yeah, I agree. The yeah. jump now, relative to 10, 12 years ago, is so much bigger, despite darts not really changing an awful lot. It's growing, etc. But in terms of how much money these guys need to earn from the sport, to be able to be comfortable with all the traveling they need to do, the hotels, to live away from the hockey, etc. It's it's so much more of a bigger risk to make that jump now than it was 10, 20 years ago to say, I'm going to go full-time at this, I'm going to go pro at this. Getting exhibitions is so much more difficult now that there isn't quite the demand for it like there used to be because we see the players so often, so frequently, a lot of players recycle the same sort of sponsorship deals, etc. We're still waiting on that big, apart from Kazoo, really, that, that non-gambling or, or alcohol sponsorship to come along for darts and really ignite the, the, the blue chip investment into the sport. Um, and yeah, I just think there's there's that little bit of a... Just waiting for... To, to ask the players to, to make that jump, I think, at the minute is, is quite significant unless they restructure the prize money they restructure the rankings so it's not a two-year money list the way that it is there is a basic earning for every event that you turn up at which look, i'm not saying that it should be q score and bang you're set for two years because then there is the argument that there is less motivation for the players to achieve at a level and just turn up for two years collect their check off the back of one week and be absolutely done with it and i think that's probably the pdc's argument as to why that they don't have a minimum earning but if you want to make that jump to a professional tour you can't be saying well if you don't win it's your fault you sort the of thing is it definitely wouldn't I mean? surprise me next year these people to make that right now to see more pro tours midweek it genuinely wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me either and like i said they have to look at restructuring either the, the first round prize money or the way that the rankings work to, just to make that accessible for people because this is players championship 13 this leads me on really nice actually this is players championship 13 of the year already six of them have been played with at least a buy yeah and considering the challenge tour structure topper etc that isn't good enough. And I appreciate players can pull out at the very, very last minute. And sometimes it is completely unavoidable. But to play six tournaments, just under half <coughs> of your four events, with a system that is inherently reliant on one, two, eight turning up, to play half of them without a full field is not good enough. Yeah. Um, Joker is in the chat room. He says, my clothes don't even make it upstairs anymore. At home, empty the suitcase. Back in the for Germany, I can sleep for a week. I know that feeling, mate. 100%. Um, but we're going to move on because we've still got loads to pack in. Over to you, Gob. Me? It's going to me? We're off to Reading, are we? Yep. Mace wins the flyer on Friday. Mace was very, very good 
on Friday. Uh, he started Friday night, last time in Reading, really well. He had a couple of hundred averages, lost out uh, the round after that, I think, uh, and then never really got going throughout the rest of the week. It was pretty much the same story. Look, you could see the improvements in the practices that, that Mace is putting in. Practice board, unbelievable. That Friday night of the flyer, it, it doesn't count for anything. It's just pretty much a warm-up event for players that want to arrive the night before, get used to the venue, which uh, we've done a lot of work in and reconfiguring. Um, and I, th- I thought it worked really well, actually. But the Macy's performances were superb to, to come through the field that he did that last Jenks, uh, John Guy, and then Colin McGarry. He hit eight of his last nine darts at a double in those three matches. He missed a couple uh, throughout the match against Jenks, but obviously he hits his last dart to win that one against Jenks. He goes three from three against Guy John, and he's three from three attempts against McGarry, uh, and then he leaves 55, and that goes 15 outside tops. He would have been eight from eight in a row at doubles to round out the tournament. His finishing on the Friday night was ridiculously good, and it's not like single darts at double. It's, it's combination finishes as an 87 on the bullseye, I think, and, and whatever else. He was just, yeah, I'm not missing a dart at double. He, he was superb. It was and chatting to him, I'm not sure if he's in tonight. He said he might be, might not. But he said he's, he's playing better in practice than he was when he was a pro. He said he's doing things now that would have amazed him when he was making a living out of playing darts. And I, you can see that in his game. You can see that in a few of the people's games, actually, that the seniors has, has kicked them into gear again once more and they're rejuvenated and, and ready to go and, and give it a crack. Colin McGarry is, is a fantastic dart player and, the fact that he missed out by five margins once again, but he's been so, so consistent, he has to make one at some point. It would be an absolute crime if he goes this entire year without getting over the line. Um, but yeah, just just the standard overall is super. Moving on to Saturday, we move on. Um, two debutants in the final, amazingly. Um, first time we've seen Paul Hogan um, and David Cameron actually on the Friday night and then on the Saturday arrived at the Crucible in Reading via Uber. He paid an absolute fortune in taxis both days to get here and back. He stayed at the lakeside for the entire week of the WF World Championship. Uh, He walked out of the venue, obviously having lost earlier on in the week, and he walked back in knowing that he was returning to the lakeside earlier than pretty much the rest of the field did. There's a couple that were already qualified for next year. Bo Greaves at the WDF World Championships. But yeah, David Cameron has already guaranteed another trip to the lakeside uh, earlier than anybody else from that WDF field. Um, And look, he was superb. You could tell that he'd just been in the World Championship. He was solid all day. He he held his nerve when he needed it. Paul Hogan didn't really get going uh, in that final. uh, But I thought that, yeah, David Cameron was was absolutely superb. He, He just played a solid game. There wasn't anything ton plus exceptional about it, but it was just solid enough to come through the field that he beat. Matt Clark, Phil Milburn, uh, Rob Rickwood, and then Paul Hogan. Rob Rickwood, has, since he's joined the seniors tour from Newbury, I think it was, he's been in quarterfinals or better every single time. He, he can't be too far away either. Um, yeah, yeah, superb from David Cameron and I think it'll be interesting to add another Canadian to the tour. I spoke to him afterwards. Um, he's going to attempt to do some CDC stuff, come back over, wants to play and try and make it to the World Seniors World Championship as well as an absolute minimum. But hopefully this will inspire him to, to make the trip for the match play as well. Uh be interesting to see the, the, the double Canadian dynamic as well because John Park will be involved. 
then Sunday and final day yeah this is where it all gets a little bit edgy as well because not only do we have the outright qualifier um, qualify for the Lakeside we also had the order of merit leader so throughout the day we're watching there was only four that could still make it via the order of merit as play started on the Sunday uh, they were Richie House and Dave Prince Colin McGarry and Mike Huntley uh, the winner of the Sunday event uh, open series in Newbury Mike Huntley fell pretty early and then they were all handed pretty tough draws all at once Dave Prince going down 5-4 to Richard Eirig um, Richie Housen uh, taking on Steve Hine who obviously had been at the Lakeside earlier in the week uh, and Colin McGarry uh, the round afterwards is where his run gets really really tough Dave Prince very very nearly stayed in the tournament in the most spectacular fashion you've seen he's 4-3 down to Richard Eirig takes out 1-3-6 with Eric sat on a double to take it to four apiece. Eric then leaves another double in the deciding leg and Prince wires the bullseye for a 170 to win the match. He would have taken out 306 in back-to-back finishes from 4-3 down to stay alive in the tournament. Uh, but as that happened, Richie Housen moved ahead of him and put himself in absolute pole position. Um, a win over Barry Bates pretty much got him there, but it was all down to leg difference on Colin McGarry's results, but as he kept going 5-4, 5-4, and then 6-5, it couldn't be done. So Richie Housen was confirmed as the order of merit qualifier. Um, Talking of Colin McGarry, it was nearly done. It was nearly wrapped up in the last 16. It would have just been the outright winner and Richie Housen for a piece of Brian Dawson. Dawson leaves uh, double eight. Uh, McGarry's on 150. He goes, uh, scores a turn. Dawson misses three from double eight. Uh, McGarry returns to take out 50. Absolutely superb. Uh, does very, very similar against Matt Clark in the following uh, matchup. Uh, Clark misses Bullseye for 1-6-1 to beat McGarry, and he survives again in the deciding leg. Uh, but it wasn't to beat against Wayne Jones uh, in the semi-finals. Uh, the Northern Irishman narrowly, narrowly missed that. If he'd made the final, it would have been very, very close. But yeah, Wayne Jones returns to televised darts. Uh I joked around with him in his interview. That will be out uh, a little bit, uh, probably tomorrow now, actually. A bit late to go now. Uh, but it'll be out tomorrow afternoon at some point. Uh, just his, his post-match thoughts and reactions that he normally makes a habit of qualifying for the Grand Slam. Uh, but he's hoping to make a habit of qualifying for the World Seniors events from now. Moving on. We are going to go into Fergie time. Don't worry, guys. We will get everything covered. We knew it was going to be a bumper show trying to get in two weeks. Oh, I love that look time. from Lee every week as if to say, we need to pre-book Fergie time. <laughs> oh, no, to be fair, we know he's safe. His missus don't land until 11 o'clock. We've got that sorted. <laughs> Sean Neil, shouldn't have told you. <laughs> <laughs> um, the PDC dropped this one today and it caused a bit of a stir on social media, gents. Don't get me wrong, God already told the world two weeks ago, but the World Series lineup. Hey, I didn't do anything. What are you talking about? <laughs> is complete. The Amsterdam Masters finishes off the, the, the World Series. And when this poster dropped, Dart's Twitter went into meltdown again, boys. Yeah, and it's stupid because look, the Premier League, you can sit and argue with all you want because that is regarded in a higher standard and level and when you're sat there telling us that the players would rather win it that's where i've got an issue with players being invited in this conversation being brought up a few months ago 
the World Series of Darts is a travelling exhibition to market the sport and the best players in the home countries of venues and nations that the PDC hope to become the next emerging market. Taking Fallon Cherrick there, who had already been selected for this before the World Series got shut down previously, makes sense. She is the most marketable female darts player in the world, or certainly was at the time of this announcement. Bo Greaves could definitely be in that conversation very, very soon as well. Um, but look, Fallon's achievements in the PDC at the minute take her beyond that. Um, deserves her spot there. Get on with it. The issue I've got is, why on earth are we going to Amsterdam? The finals are already there. And it is not a nation that needs help emerging. I can tell you why. I can tell you why. Because they put up the money. And no one else... Barry's always said, I will do a World Series. But if they're doing that, put up the money for more Euro tours and stop there being six million in Germany. We do not need two World uh, World Series events. They've already got the finals. They either want a World Series event earlier on so they can invite the players that they want or they want the finals. You don't need two World Series events there. Australia and New Zealand make sense because you can get three within 14 days in that area of the world. There isn't really anywhere else close to that. Australia is a lot bigger, covers a lot more area around the coast to get to various places and, and take the sport to people. You don't need two in a country the size of Ireland. But if they're paying the money, they'll get them. If no one else is willing Which to is pay it... Then don't put one there. Look, I, I completely understand why we go to Gibraltar on the Euro Tour. It's a waste of time on the Thursday afternoon, in particular, on the Friday afternoon in particular. But I completely understand why we're there. But look, for the World Series, no, it doesn't need to be in Holland. I've got if, if you look at it at the absolute yeah, deepest political level, the World Series will have some sort of mission statement to grow the game. Amsterdam is not growing the game. But it's putting money in their pocket. Yeah. That's why it's there. Yeah, um, I'm not but, denying that, but I'm saying that's wrong. To use this to just earn more money is wrong when the World Series serves a purpose to grow the game in emerging markets. The minute that you put it in one place for financial reasons, what you basically said is we can do what we want with this and everything else that you've ever told us about the World Series is irrelevant. Rule one. You know, but that's what I'm saying. They keep doing, they keep setting precedents. They did it with the Premier League for the last two years, where they basically said, especially this year, that the Masters is more important than the European Championships. And now they've gone with their World Series. We're going to put it in a nation that is arguably the second most developed dart playing nation in the world that isn't within the British Isles. Because they're willing to pay more money to have it there. Pay for more Euro tours then. You can't be chucking a World Series there for financial reasons. You have to be chucking a World Series there because it's going to grow the game. And you can't get much bigger than it is in Holland. That's the only reason Germany ever got a World Series. Because they paid the money. But Germany's growing. And Germany is, was growing when it first became a thing. And is still growing. It's still waiting to produce that that next level superstar. You think about Dutch. You've had Barney. We've had Van Gogh in at the very, very top of the game for a long, long time. And we've got 
significant amount of Dutch players in, in the top 32, the top 64 and beyond. Dirk van Darvenberg is the next one. We've seen Jeffrey Desvan have glimpses, etc. The Germans are getting there, but they aren't quite at the level where a Clemens or a Max Hart or a Schindler or a Hempeler top eight caliber. Interestingly, that Gary Anderson at the moment only has two. Johnny Clayton only has two. Now, the Anderson one, I, I, I completely get. But, Boise Twitter, a lot of fans not happy that a man that won four TV events last year has not got them all. Yeah, I, yeah, I think Johnny Clayton should be. Um, but then when you look at the C2R, there's, there's only one player I would personally pull out of it, but that's just because I'm not a huge fan of him. But, um, but what I would say is, obviously I made a poor James right there, but what I would say, what I would say, Doug, before, before you interrupt, before you interrupt, Johnny Clayton should be in above some of the others anyway. For me, probably should be in above a Michael Smith winning. I know we got to a world final, but should be in as above him. So I don't want it to look like I'm just siding against James Wade, um, because I'm not. That would just be if I was swapping one for one. But I understand why Fallon's in makes total sense, deserves that opportunity. I understand why Derwin Price, Peter Wright, and MVG are in there. Then it'd be the three. So it's between it would be Wade, Michael Smith, but I would actually put. Johnny Clayton above both of them, and then it's a, the decision of do you put in Wade or Smith would be how I would work it, and then obviously they would drop into those two spots for the other ones. Um, I don't think it's right that Johnny Clayton isn't, but it's it's it is going to be based on opinion. I, I think do it's twofold, and it's completely, completely the it's completely the fault of the PDC ranking system. Johnny Clayton won four televised events last year. How many ranked? One? Two? That, one, that doesn't one, reflect... One. That doesn't reflect in the world rankings. If all four of them are ranked in, in some capacity, he's absolutely miles above. What you'd see is them picking the top four. The problem is that between now and all of these events, the top four are going to change a lot. You look how close Van Gerwen, Wade and Smith are, they're going to yeah. keep swapping places so frequently that they can't just find on we've picked the top four because at the time of the event, the top four is very likely to be very, very different. The only one that will really make a difference if somebody from slightly further out wins the match play to go to Australia and they've got those spots open. But just one other, other name, if you're talking about that and that every, let's say, TV event is classed as a, a ranking in that equivalent, then surely the argument will be there for Joe Cullen as well. Yes, he's in the Premier League, but... Why would that be different to being above Michael Smith or being on the same pedestal of James Wade in regards to being picked? I know he's in the Premier League, uh, but it's another one. Does it? Joe Thun is one out. I expected to see in the field, not as the top six, but I did expect him. Just. Just one thing, take Fallon out of the equation for a minute. Is it not just becoming an extension of the Premier League? No, Dimmy's there. 
in two, but the bulk of it is an extension of the Premier League. Yeah, it was sarcastic. And this, look, which, both, which is what we spoke about before when we came to the Premier League. That the, 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 the Premier League, I wasn't totally against it, but I did have the caveat of the World Series then giving players an opportunity who we're not going to see because the Premier League should have more than eight players in it for me. But then there's the three or four who missed out on. I know some of them. You'll, I'll bring his name up, but he's not going to class as the marketable player in someone like Jose. But there's others in there as well, like Joe being one of them. Um, and obviously he's playing in there. But there's there's a list that should be in an event for Darry Anderson to be in two, Johnny to be in two, Dimi to be in two. And then there's, then there's other players that probably should have been given an opportunity, if not to be in one of them. I understand the sits... I don't think there should be six, maybe four that should be in every event and then the rest should then be split, which would then open up opportunities, more opportunities because if you only had Fallon, Price, Wright and MVG as your four in every event, yes, you could put Wade in two or three and yes, you could put Smith in, but it would then open up a couple more windows for other players to be in there. Like Aspinall who's coming back into some form. I think that would be the case if it wasn't for the fact that Marco Van Gogh could be world number five by the time these events go off. And at which point you've then got to justify to Michael Smith and James Wade why you've left them out. Fallon is what makes that difficult. Because because it's, it's always an exhibition. Be one for for this entire thing. But as we've alluded to, it's the an other, exhibition. The other one by the way, we're off to Holland, whether we agree with that or not. Danny Knopf won the UK Open a few weeks ago. Which side yeah. is he going to fall on? He's on the he's on the eight and um, the the regional upper. The email, the press release, the eight highest Dutch players make up the other side. Not sure I agree with that either. He's won a major. <laughs> won the only um, major Craig, of the year. Um, Fallon's in them all, mate. Um, the, the issue I have, and look. Media is a big part of the World Series because it's going and talking to the local press, the local media. Not this isn't us. This is when they're when they're at these places. They go and do radio. They go and do TV and, and everything like that. So Dimitri is perfect. Speaks five languages. Can go and do whatever you want. Some of the ones they've picked. Let's be fair. Their media skills aren't great. You're not going to get a lot from a lot of them. You don't get a lot from a lot of them. If you get anything, it's whinging from Michael Smith, from James Wade or from Gary Anderson. I love Johnny Clayton to bits, but he doesn't really offer you an awful lot in terms of exceptional story. It's just humble, down-to-earth kind of guy. Brilliant. But that doesn't write headlines. Van Gerwen doesn't really write headlines anymore because he's been there, he's done that, he's, he's got ridiculous records, etc., it's only if him and Peter Wright start going at each other. And Gerwin Wright, Price writes headlines every week on his own Instagram account. Ta-da! <laughs> we've been there, we've done it, and we've seen it. Um, to, do we know what time? No, we're not sure whether New York's going to be time-shifted or recorded. Um, 
Australia and New Zealand means I'll be getting up at half six every morning to cover it. Unless I go. I won't. I won't. Um, I don't like you guys that yeah, much. That, that, that's, the, that's the World Series. Last one before we start getting your questions in as well. I promise we'll do 10-minute questions as well. But the last one, um, I was asked to put this on today <laughs> as well. <laughs> killing him. You're killing him. Um, the ADC's um, first two tour events um, are coming up um, as well. Um, I was asked if we could put that up and give it a, a mention. I'm interested to see how this all plays out, boys. I've been very impressed with the things I've seen so far. Marketing and, and pushing and social media still needs the opportunity to grow a bit. Darts Atlas um, as, a, as a software looks really, really good. I haven't had a full play around with it, but in terms of a, a central location to host any darts tournament you want, build it towards something, I, I really do like the concept of it. Um, yeah, Daniel, there's nothing to talk about the Euro Tour, mate, because the draw's not done. So we can't do anything on it until the draw's done. We don't know who's playing who or anything, unfortunately. Um, we know where the seeds are dropping, and at that point, it's not worth our time. Not this. That yeah. sounded really bad, but it's just we could just speculate a little bit. Uh, yeah, Johnny. As long as it doesn't clash with anything, I shall. I'll come up, mate. Um, right. So before we get into the questions, boys, have we missed anything in two weeks of darts? I think we've just about squeezed everything in. Adrian's statement is interesting. Not a question, but a statement in the chat room. Um, not, no, I agree. And I stand by my original tweet. Being threatened to be thrown out of the lakeside for tweeting, it was interesting. Bob's now got his head in his hands. Just bite the nail. I ain't got many left, but I'm just bite the nail. Um, yeah, no, look. In, in, in my opinion, I shouldn't have been there. After Paula had played, there was no need for them for them to be there. Well, other players hang around and, and went and watched the rest of the games, etc. But but I, I disagree with that as well. If that back room is like a jolly boy's outing. Not a, I kind of don't. Not, honestly. No, it's right. right. I'll say, Liam, we would have had nobody to talk to if that, if that wasn't the case. Because no one else did, did they, Lee? It's like, it's like you've got people preparing for matches and it's like a social club. Social clubs are the best. Cheap alcohol. I'm not um, saying they're not. We haven't got the field um, to Champions Week. Have you got the field for Champions Week, please? Yeah, two seconds. So, Champions Week obviously gets underway tomorrow. And it is... Uh, group A will be Josh Payne. No, it won't. Well, it will be, but not. I'm looking at the wrong one. Will be um, Josh Payne, Dan Reed, Mike Warburton, Adam Smith, Neil, James Richardson, and Robert Owen. 
Group B will be Matty Dennant and Nick Kenny. And Group C will be Paul Hogan, Lee Evans, Richard North and Andy Hamilton. That's a bloody good week. Try, try and pick a winner from that. That is going to be great viewing across this week. Yeah. Um, especially that we've seen a lot of them playing in, in live lead and other compositions over the past um, couple of weeks. So, should be the week. Um, yeah, Adrian says, oh my God, for, um, apparently I was disrupting the tournament, I was told. Who was? Me. I was disrupting the tournament. That's why they were going to throw me out. You're never getting invited again either. <laughs> the last <laughs> 10 minutes have gone, yep, back for life. That, that's, that's fine. It means I'll have to spend nine days at the social club, so it's all right. Work for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you both in for the world team. Just don't you worry about that, guys. I was coming in anyway. One, after the one little um, last time. <laughs> <laughs> one little story that did come out on Sunday morning as well at late side, which I found very, very surprising, is that there was someone in the media room who tweeted that they had a COVID. They'd been tested positive for COVID. Um, we was all informed as media but find, found it very, very surprising that the players were not aware that this person had COVID on Sunday and were never told at any point, however the media was. That I found, and that is just off, obviously, what's been on social media, and that I found it a very, very strange approach from the WDF to allow the media to know. Obviously, we'd been in a room with that person, but then for the players not to be informed who had spoke to her and had been interviewed by that person, just a very, very strange way to approach the situation. Obviously, the rules are different to what they were months back, but I found it very, very strange. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was strange. I'll give you that one. Um how do players get selected for the live league? Uh, basically, we, look, we just try, we're looking for the best players outside the 128. Um, and we use the challenge tour and everything. We've got reference to see how people are playing and X, Y, and Z. Um, but there will be some exciting news around the live league dropping in the next few months. It's only going to get bigger and better, boys. There's a few players from Redden that have been knocking on the door for a call-up as well. Uh, there's, a, there's a few players know, at Lakeside asking the very same question. Uh, from Reading, I know that one of them is certainly on the list to be contacted. Good. Um, but yeah, it's just trying to fit them all in. But yeah, that, that's how we do it. Um, what else have we got? Oh, someone asked one. about... Go on, mate. Go on, Phil. Go on. Go on, mate. All I was going to say is one that came up earlier, which was around, and you said we'd come back to it, was around the WDF finalists, maybe, getting a place in the Grand Slam of Darts. 
Was that a question can't that was asked? Yeah, can't see it this year. Certainly a debate on social media earlier on today, once again. <laughs> can't see it this year. That coupled with a World Series announcement that people don't agree with was not a good combination for Twitter today. <laughs> no. Um, I, I, I can't see it this year. I don't know about you boys. Long term, hopefully, but certainly not this year. Um, I would like to see. However, there's just there's more question marks around that competition probably for the PDC than there is anything else. From venue to should it be a rant or unrant event? Should we have WDF, ADC, seniors, qualifiers? Should we have obviously the women can qualify for the women's series, but should we have Bow and Thirsty potentially in from there them being in finals? There's all sorts of question marks around that event that we are now in April and we don't even know. We have an estimation, but we don't even know when that's being played or where it's being played at, um, which I find very, very strange. But Yeah. Um, so yeah that, I would like be... to live in there. Uh, let's run through oh, a couple of very, very... Go on, Gob, you do that. I'm just looking for something, Okay. Uh, Sam, uh, not Sam, HJV, you are absolutely right. We did miss the challenge tour two weeks ago, but this show has just been far too chock-a-block to even discuss that. The main takeaway, Stephen Burton had a very, very good week chasing. Uh, Scott Williams also... Uh, top of the table by £2,300. Uh, good to see Andy Jenkins back in the winner's circle late on. Good runs for Carol Sedlicek. Uh, a little bit of movement in that top uh, 16 or so. We've got Pete Berg on dropped a little bit. I think Matt Edgar's dropped a little bit from where he was. But Michael Flynn had a really, really good weekend, uh, the Irishman. Um, and Jeremy van der Winkel as well seemed to find himself going deep a couple of times. But that's about as much as we're going to cover on the Challenge Tour in a week that's just got so much more at a level above. Uh, Craig says, can Bogries play in the Women's Series and do you feel she can be top four? Yep, any any player, any female player can enter. I think the takeaway from a lot of her interviews this week was that she wasn't planning on it just yet by the sound of things. She's, she's free to do whatever she wants um, now. But... Yeah, so spoke to Bo both on and off camera and she's done a seriously consider it now we've picked up the title that there's an opportunity for her to go to um the net ladies the net women series to then qualify for blackpool the only thing is it just clashes with a event in denmark i believe um so she's considering it she's seriously considering it and darwin i think obviously there's a lot of question marks about bow we've playing in front of a camera, playing on a big stage, all that. And the fact that she's now done on and proved what she can do, um, probably swaying her, towards, swaying her more towards having a go at qualifying for Blackpool. But from what we got yesterday is still um, something that she's considering, not that she's decided on, uh, that she spoke to me about after the final. But it's more of a consideration after that week than it was before. A um, couple of bits as well. No, Daniel, the Euro Tour is Saturday to Monday this week because Friday is the German bank holiday. Ugh. 
So it's there. Um, also, I knew there was something. Around the Amsterdam World Series day, clashes with the ladies series. One day, if Fallon were to make it to the final day of the Amsterdam Masters, she would probably have to miss women's series 9 and 10, and it would be a rush to get her back to Barnsley for 11 and 12. Yeah, that's not great at all. Now, I knew I'd seen it somewhere. Slightly concerned then if Dieter's going to be back for the women's series, Bo's going to be back as well. Well, potential for Bo to be in it. Sorry, we've, we've literally had that discussion. Mikuru. Mikuru does plan to come over, yes. That's big. I mean, she's pretty much in the eight already, not 100%. But it's more the slam and the the worlds. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's not ideal. That's that's not great planning. I appreciate we're running out of days in calendar, but um, Tommy says, "Are Dieter's best days over?" I sadly look great. I've done that great to not good enough absolutely phenomenal ambassador for the sport but yeah i think dina's best days are are behind her now yeah yeah um she said afterwards that she was struggling a little bit with her injury coming into this week um i think what we will see is we'll still see that into the back end of tournaments and potentially seeing her pick up the odd one, whether it be on the women's series, the odd day, picking up a few WDF events, but actually pushing the top names in that in uh, the field consistently, probably not because they are a step above the, the four that are in that mix, four or five that are in that mix. Yeah, I've got to say, massively impressed. Like, now we're talking about the ladies. Massively impressed with Kirsty Hutchinson across the week as well. Yeah. N not enough credit to probably done to Thursday because of ah. all the attention all the attention being on Bo and understandably that being the case, but she was outstanding. The the one that really stood out for me was beating Rihanna in that um semi final because Rihanna had played some incredible stuff. And if Rihanna had yeah. followed up what she was doing early on in the tournament, she could have potentially pushed Bo. Um, and there's not many players we could have said that about in the tournament, but for Thursday to that over the line um, just shows that was someone a couple of years ago who was contemplating not playing in certain events, not playing much at all, was didn't really want to be up on stage and stuff. So for it to put into that performance and that to a final was an absolutely incredible achievement for Thursday. And like I said, it's, it's no. Bad thing losing four goal when Bo's performing like that because she would have wiped out most of the field from both the women's and the men's side. But yeah, incredible. Yeah. Um, another one another one for me in that sort of 
women's series, hopefully for the PDC, we'll see rather it was Tory. I thought Tory was very good. Just didn't turn up against Lorraine. Um, but generally, Tory had a very, very good weight. Um, yes, comfortably beat Dita. Um, but another one to watch. And hopefully we will see her playing it in the PDC events as well. Yeah, I am with you. Well, that just about wraps us up. We are deep into Fergie time. Everyone, thank you very much for staying with us and for the extended version of the Live Land. We knew it was going to be manic because there was so much going on. Uh, for me personally, I just want to thank the whole team for the effort put in over the last 12 to 13 days. Absolutely incredible from everyone. So that's a massive thank you from me but we go again we make sure we have everything covered and we cannot wait to keep it bringing you all the darts coverage boys it's been a it's been a fabulous show as always um plenty coming up i will be in manchester this week or this thursday for the premier league but loads going on we have been online darts thank you very very much for the last two and a half hours of your monday and we will see you all very very soon ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.